in a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions. Only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. It doesn't freaking make sense. Uh, give credit to Brandon Herbert for being consistent, being a man of his, uh, what, your convictions? Yeah. Shutterstock music. CP3 family, this is called you. Chef Jeff Hodge. They're already coming in here in droves, Underground West, Legacy Land, Michael Hart. Shutterstock music. Joey Esquivel. Cam D, who I might still put in timeout just for the sake of it. And you know what? We've been defending Cam since the beginning. It's your boy Jet, Jet, Jet up. Sock music. World famous. A legacy land. Hey guys, Josh from Math. Cam D. Is absolutely lit as it always is. Michael Jones, Underground West, Legacy of Land, Jake DeLone, Richards Outdoor World Band is already lit in the chat room. Tony Dunn, end up to it, but do it, brother. Let's roll. Shutterstock music. What's up, C3? Is Nova Black? Boy, we have some stuff to talk about, man. The chat room is already lit up. Michael Wayne, Carlton Cohen, Joey S. Mavell. Jake DeLong, Underground West, the whole crew is here. Hey, Bella, Sarah. Richard London. You know Susan's in the house. Coolest fan, 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 fans hanging out in the chat room. Stat, Bat, Daddy, CK Legger in the show. We love them. All the big names. Ten Tizzy, Lee Andrew, Underground West. Josh from Mass is already roasting. The mustache less Tony Dunn. Keep up there with Love it. Love the you guys. And move on now to our Ice Up picks. <laughs> ice Up, son. Ice Up, son. Ice Up. Ice Up. What you got, Greg? You can Ice Up, man. Yeah, folks. What's up? It's the C3 Panthers podcast. My name is Tony Dunn. We're in the house tonight. I got to unmute the fellas' mics before I forget. Just did it. I'm here hanging out with my homeboys talking about the Carolina Panthers every Tuesday night live, 9 p.m. CarolinaCatChronicles.com, the C3 Carolina Panthers podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Cat underscore Chronicles. Check out my homeboy, Cody Lashney. What's up, my man? Tony Dunn, we have the most lit intros there are, man. Shout out to our man, Bat Daddy, for throwing that one together for us. Showing love to everyone that supports the channel always, that makes this show what it is, keeps the conversation alive. And you already know the chat room is lit. God of Blackness, Trill One, Tommy Dark, Martin Richards Outdoor World, Josh from Mass, and of course, Underground West, Tony Dunn. And nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. Oh, Bat Daddy, John Kidco Barrera says this. You got to throw in that nice soundbite next. <laughs> <True. laughs> uh, G-Baby. What's up? 
Uh, Greg, how you doing? Thanks for the shout out to the fans. Greg, the stat daddy, put that together as a little homage to the fan base of the most lit Panthers podcast out there. Oh yeah, man. I just want to say thank you to everybody. I mean, like as we all do about how well they support us, like Cody was saying, uh, just love you guys. You'll make this show fun. Really, really fun to be on. So I really appreciate it. The the people in the chat room love it already. Uh, Stat Daddy, tell them how they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at the Bat Daddy Fifty Two on Twitter. All right, we got CK in the house. I think or are you uh, on silence mode? Oh, I'm I'm here just for the introduction. Then I'm going to go silent for a few minutes. Right on. All right, CK. Uh, it's nice to have you back. We played your call last week. I hope you're doing well, and I hope you're yeah. excited to go check out this Panthers game with me on Sunday. Even though there's not a lot to be excited about, other than playing a good team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, it's it's going to be pretty empty. I feel like in the stadium. But uh, you know, I'll be I'll be excited to be there to actually witness again a little bit about you know Chris McCaffrey, uh, and maybe see the start of what North you know or I guess Scott Turner has and in uh, fuel. Uh, you know, if something crazy happens, with those it'd be nice to be the first home game uh, since Ron Rivera was uh, fired, and you know we start to see this rebuild stage. You know, to be a part of that is something that's going to be pretty interesting. So uh, yeah, let's get it rolling. All right, uh, tonight's show is a funky title. I got to find it. I didn't even. I had. No, I didn't know what to say about tonight's show. Moving forward is hard, but inevitable for the Carolina Panthers. We're somewhere approaching fifty. We're getting close to fifty podcasts this season. I know that we we hit fifty two right about the time of the Super Bowl, but I just got tired of counting them. We're here hanging out every Tuesday night. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. We got 13 likes already, 34 viewers in the chat. We got tons of calls on the cat calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. Guys, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation and talk about this. Is uh, Dante Jackson, uh, we talked about this on the post-game show. Cody, you were the one that said, hey, we got some juicy news here. And Dante Jackson got roasted on a 93-yard touchdown or something like that. He was in man coverage. He was unprepared, unready for the snap, trying to run with the guy. The guy's first NFL catch was for a 90-something-yard touchdown. The third, He got smoked by the third wide receiver. And Dante Jackson, though, fought back after the game, Cody. Have you now that you've had a little time to think about it? Any more thoughts from the pre? What was your position on the post game to remind listeners who weren't who didn't check that out? Well, my position on the post game was that I imagine it's hard being a twenty-something-year-old dude playing in the NFL, and you make a mistake for the world to see, and then everyone wants to say, "Oh, you're trash, Dante Jackson sucks, uh, Dante can't cover for." For shit, it's that kind of narrative that gets in your head, and at the same time, you feel that the play calling is what let the team down. Um, I I understand the scenario that he's in of what not wanting to look as bad, but yeah, you just you can't throw your coaches under the bus. Uh, it's kind of put it out there that you're hard to work with and that you're not a team player, and uh, it kind of sends a message that. Uh, and we've all wondered this about Dante is how selfish is he? Is he a team player or does he want to look out for himself? So I definitely understand the criticism of why you definitely wouldn't do that. Could this be a good thing for him, this moment? Sure. 
it can be a learning opportunity. Yeah, I think know. so. I think so. Is that on a team that's doing bad? Uh, you probably like last year. You saw him in that Pittsburgh game. He was struggling with um, struggling. Right? He was in the cut and Coach Rivera yeah, like. Yeah. You know, the coach got in his head, got in his face in the locker room in a way that was meant to level him out, right? And that is get out of your own head and get your head in the game. And, you know, is that he kind of has bought into his own hype to a certain degree. And that's good. You want a guy who's confident, but it borders on arrogance and cockiness at all times. Confidence can always wave. But what we get here is that this is an opportunity now where I think last year he thought he was a good player on a bad team. I think this year he's a, he think he found out that he's an okay player on a bad team, and that play right there was embarrassing for him. And Brad Dugan brings it up as Steve Smith was roasting Dante hard on WFNZ Radio, and I've actually got that audio. I'll let you guys hear what he had to say. You know, when when Mr. Tepper took over the team, there were people really excited about him. Um, There were people that were complaining about Mr. Richardson. He's Uh, not. Hold on. I did not do the whole clip, not the clip clip. What you, what you understand. All right. You guys talk about Greg, what do you think about it right now? What do you th- have you heard about this Jackson story? Yeah, I was reading up about it earlier today, uh, and honestly, man, you you pretty much laid it out exactly like I was going to say it. I think maybe he just drank a little bit too much of his own Kool Aid, and, and and he had a great start to the season, and he had a pretty good year last year, and he's not doing terrible now, but maybe he did get too overconfident in himself, and he just let it go to his head. He seemed like a nice, humble kind of guy when he got to the team. I mean, he wasn't he the guy that took his first paycheck and bought his mom a car? Maybe. Yeah, I kind of yeah. think that's a commonplace when you're in the NFL since they've, uh, you know, mama's been fronting <laughs> you since you've been playing high school yeah. football. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, man. I, I maintain that there is a lot of talent on this football team. Okay. Before the year, we were all saying that this is probably uh, the most talented defensive backfield that we've had in a long time. And now all of a sudden that the season's gone down the drain, now we don't think so anymore. Now we think Dante Jackson's just a good player. Luke Kingsley's getting older, falling off a cliff. I don't know, man. It's hard to really diagnose problems when your entire team is playing so poor. Well, here I, I I got the clip too of the play, and it's just bad. He just he was he has uh, got some of the same problems he had last year. Here, I think this is where the clip starts. We'll just go with Wait, it here. And now all of a sudden, oh, we miss him now, and that that wasn't a good thing. And let me address this as well. I love Dante Jackson. He's a young player. I knew it was coming. But to go on TV and to talk about the coaches as just like they hung him out to dry. Listen, coaches are going to coach and players are going to play. But to go out there and to throw the coaches that have under, under the bus to say, that it was bad. And I talked to Ray today, Ray Lewis, and he said that was a bad call. They, the defense probably shouldn't have put him in, in that position. However, let's go down to, let me do my analytic work. First of all, the play is gone. He's not even ready to go. 
He went to TBU, uh, uh, DBU, LSU. He's a second-round pick. His hashtag, on his, his name on his Instagram and social media is Action Jackson. They're in the game. He's going against the number three wide receiver. And it's third and seven, not third and long. Third and long is 10-plus. Third and seven is medium. Now, they shouldn't call the outlaw blitz. You know why they shouldn't have called the outlaw blitz, Kyle? Hmm. They shouldn't have called the all-out blitz. Hold on a second. They shouldn't have called an all-out blitz and put that young man on the island because man-to-man coverage pressed up. That's a man's game. And this is a young team to have some men and some young men. And what I saw from Dante is I saw a young man realize he was thrown in the ocean and he had to swim to his floaty. The only problem is that floaty busted. And that third-string wide receiver went long on his ass. And he's going to now go talk to the media. It's going to be a long season. And Panther fans, let me tell you this. Lower your standards. Really, 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 really low. Because you're in for a ride. The rest of the season? Is that what you're talking about? The rest of the season. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got trans. trans- so there's Smitty. He comes after the Young Buck. And... Um, young Bucks. He went after DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, too. So this... Uh, this is a trend now. Yes, he does like have the kind of old man we used to walk to school both ways yeah. uphill in the yeah. snow thing yeah. going right that's, now. That's a hundred percent what it is. He also called out. I want to say, um, I couldn't figure out who he was talking about in, in this game, but somebody that averages four catches a game made a good catch and got up and danced. And I don't know if it was Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore. DJ Moore had four catches in this game. And so he was like, look, you got there getting your tails whooped and y'all having a sorry-ass season. He wants them all basically to just put Smitty on their helmet and be like, I can't hold Smitty's jockstrap. You know, Let I think he, he, he I might. Back in my day, when I was playing for the Carolina Panthers, yeah, we didn't wear jock straps. Um, no, the I, I kind of wonder though if Steve Smith respects somebody who comes back at him more, or if he would just get mad. He'd probably just get pissed. Maybe I'm wrong. Like he would try to know. fight. Yeah, because, you know, there would be this sense of you're talking to a Panther legend, and who are you? You ain't done shit, you know? And I do think it's a little bit unfair because there's a coaching to team dynamic that Steve Smith isn't necessarily aware of because he's not in the locker room anymore. But yeah, at the same time, I mean, he's But we do know that, level. yeah, and Dante is not a pro yet. I mean, he's not acting like – he's not preparing like right. a pro yet. He And we 100%. can see it. And, and, and part of – and that is kind of his style. He likes to look casual and cool while he's out there rather than – you know, I think – and that's why I think this could be a good moment for him is a humbling moment – because I and here this is what Damian Lewis had to say about it and I thought this was interesting if he wasn't who he was he would be cut yeah a I agree B he should be fine C I wouldn't be surprised if he don't play next week like in my opinion they need to bench him because that's like cancer man you got to cut that out you can't ever ever go out and speak on your coaching staff the way you did because sometimes in football you got to overcome coaching 
they're human. They make bad calls. But you want to be the highest paid corner coming up in the league one day, right? So get your ass out there and tackle the guy. Get a pass yeah. interference, tackle the guy, and don't give up a touchdown. We've all been put on the island in football. That's why we out doing what we do. Step up and make a play instead of complaining and griping about it to the media. I mean, it's ridiculous. How childish can you be? That's the most childish thing you can do as a football player is run to the media talking about they put me on the island. The Champ Bailey, top 100. Oh, man, come on, bro. You're trying to be the highest paid corner in the league. Go out there and make a damn play and shut your mouth. Yeah. I I like that, and, and that's kind of what the, the whole team needs that at this moment is to just make a damn play. But the thing is, is nobody's going to be making a play on this team. Everybody's playing poorly. Yeah. Yeah, well, everyone is. Go ahead, Greg. Well, I was just going to say, whenever Steve Smith was talking, it almost sounded like he was kind of defending both sides of the art, like playing both sides of the argument, because in one hand he's talking about Dante Jackson doing this and how, how stupid it was, which is, I agree with him 100%. But then on the other hand, talking about how the coaches should have never called that all-out blitz, so... Kind of oh no, he said that. You know why? No, he. The reason he said that they shouldn't call out the all-out blitz is because the players and the personnel they got ain't man enough to play uh, that way. Okay. That's I what thought, he's saying. Because of, of the play situation. Okay, well that makes more sense then. I got. You. And then here, this is how Smitty. This is how Smitty ends the call today. So too, I know some people. You know, Fowler gonna say something. All these boys know my address. I let the people at the gate know. If you need to come in and come talk to me. I love it. I love it. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Don't try me. (laughs) Be good, brother. Steve Smith. (laughs) So this is uh, for all the people, for anybody who has ever tweeted, if anybody has ever tweeted or written or thought that Steve Smith would make a good ride receivers coach, this is why he wouldn't. This is also there is a an a argument that part of the reason the Panthers have had trouble developing other wide receivers is because nobody could because Steve Smith's personality almost didn't have any room for another receiver on the team. Yeah. The closest we got was Kerry Colbert. It was just Masim Muhammad. That was the only one we had that ever worked well with Steve. And that, I think, is because he was an elder statesman to a certain degree. So, uh, Dante Jackson, though, his play has not... Well, let's look at it like this, Cody, and we'll finish on Dante and move into the calls. But when you say it's hard to evaluate, the one thing that doesn't look like has happened with Dante Jackson is that he's gotten better. He's really kind of the same player he was. And that might be a referendum on the coaching some, but at the end of the day, it's his play, and he's the one that's going to have to con- – you got to – like one guy said, you got to play in dis- in spite of coaches sometimes, perform in yeah. spite of coaches. And I have a very strong feeling about this. But before we go any further, I feel that it's absolutely important that we wish Susan Dean's the happiest of birthdays. Oh, She's yes. Happy birthday. 58 years Happy old. Birthday. Susan Deans, you know we love you. Uh, thank you so much for the support, as always, and happiest of birthdays to you. Um, All right. Uh, on, this, um, on this kind of you know deal right here, I've been uh, a big proponent of our coach and staff doesn't know what to do with this talent. This is the same coach and staff that uh, doesn't play 
Brian Burns, but on 22 snaps in a game. Now, I'm not absolving Dante Jackson. I think we're all pretty much in agreement that he acted very immaturely, and that's not something that you do. That's not how you represent your teammates. That's not how you represent your coaches. But at the same time, uh, I really don't have faith that this coaching staff is doing the proper job at cultivating and building up our young, talented football players. And that's why I'm hopeful that in the future, when a new coaching staff comes in, we can see some of the young players turn over a new leaf in their football career. Um, I'm trying to look up. Brian Burns got up to 47% of the snaps, 34 in this game. So, increase. They're listening there. A little better. Yeah. Um, All right. Look, we're going to go jump into the cat calls in just a second, but CK and I this weekend are going to be heading to Charlotte to check out uh, the Seattle Seahawks, who will be making the playoffs. They lost to the to the Los Angeles Rams, I believe, this past, what was it, Sunday night football game. Uh, and really, the Rams are kind of res- uh, resurging at this moment. But we're going to go check out these Seahawks and see what this playoff team looks like. And we're hoping that some fans are going to show up at Bank of America Stadium. Perry Fuel has called on them, saying that they need the, that we need the fans more than ever right now. And if you want to join us at the game, the best way to get there is to check out the Vivid Seats app. You go to the App Store, the Play Store, you get the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code Overtime, and it hooks you up with a hundred percent buyer guarantee that you're going to get a, a good, honest ticket for a price you like. No worries, no hassles, super easy. Sort by price, sort by seat. Use the promo code OVERTIME at checkout, and you'll receive a discount up to $100 on your first program uh, purchase. And they have a rewards loyalty program. That's the Vivid Seats app. Promo code OVERTIME. Go and cheer on your Panthers. They need that help. All right, guys, let's get into the cat calls and see what the fans got to say. There's actually a lot of calls. I didn't think people were going to show up, and the fans have a lot to say. So let's see what's going so on. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty sh- You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels two, good. Like and a three and a four and a who's that cat sitting in the back corner with his face buried in his nose? Who's that kid that can use one? Hey, Tony, this is Ryan from Tucson, Arizona. We had a bone to pick with you. <clears throat> you said that Todd Bowles would be a good hire. And everybody on the podcast is picked to be either a general manager slash, you know, owner of the team except you. I think it's because you decided that Todd Bowles would be a good candidate for the Paraphrase. <laughs> <laughs> what is what I got to say about that? <clears throat> You said that Kyle Allen was harder to prepare for than Cam Newton and that he finds his outlets faster. And that Cam Newton struggles to find his quick outlets among various other issues. In other words, Todd Bowles hates Cam Newton and thinks Kyle Allen is better. So if he was the head coach of the team, he would probably cut Cam Newton and keep Kyle Allen as their starter. The only position you deserve, mister... It's a position in a cleaning room, cleaning the players' jock straps, bro. I'm <laughs> like that. But I mean, but nothing but love and respect for you, Tony. You caught me, guys. Oh, my gosh. Holy cow. He let me have it there. And you know what? Uh, 
I wouldn't mind as long as you let me clean uh, Cam Newton's. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> All right, next call. Hey, what's up, fellas? Uh, this is the man that was here up in Northwest NC. Love my Panthers. Love you guys. Thanks for what you do. Uh, but I'm wanting to look at, you know, the opposite side of things. You know, what, what could have been done differently to people? Uh, Sorry, I've had a few drinks. Um, so, <laughs> I always get to preface it with that. Yeah. But I'm turned up a little bit. I don't get all the hate on Vaughn. I can't blame it all on Vaughn. You know what I'm saying? I'm, not, I'm going to miss the guy. Everybody else can kiss my ass. <laughs> you know, all you fucking Vaughn haters can kiss my ass. <laughs> this dude... I don't know. I, I think he's done... Almost as good as I'm thinking of John Fox. Well, that's like not that great though either. Not like that. I it's just know. okay. Records, but getting places. I, I think we all agree Ron Rivera is the best head coach in I Panthers mean, history, right? Well, yeah. At Carolina, I think Don Shula. Uh, what, didn't we have Don Shula? Maybe we need. Yeah, but Ron's been the most. Not while he was here. <laughs> Shit, I don't know. But, uh, you know you're wasted when you're loving on Ron. <laughs> you guys, uh, and John Fox. Keep doing you doing. Yeah. <laughs> it is <laughs> what it is. When I can catch it. Uh. And All right. Fuck off, Ron haters. That's what I was going to say. All right. Thanks for your call. All right. Let's talk about this. Uh, I do want to. I've been thinking. This has been on my mind for a while. Uh, look, is I think when Tepper described the firing of Ron Rivera as appropriate. I thought that was a good way of putting it. Because here, is that just because we fired him does not mean that what he did while he was a coach here was not good at all. Right? right? Is that it's really, but there has been um, it kind of he peaked at one point and it's been hard to get it back. And whether that is his fault entirely, it doesn't matter is that it seemed like time for a new era. What was weird to me is how afterwards this contingent of fans has come out that all of a sudden is so nervous Ron is gone. And then on top of that, Ron's exit is get got old to me. Yeah, Quick. Well, can I just like, say, like... Like the man is not dead. The man lost his job. But I want to pin- <laughs> pinpoint something. It could could the firing of Ron Rivera have been handled any better than how the Panthers did it? I yeah, mean, at, the, we just fired a head coach, and our and the entire Twitter timeline for the Carolina Panthers is nothing but reverence for Ron Rivera and thanks you for everything that you've done. And David Tepper talks about how good of a man Ron Rivera it's is. It's been like, over. Like, it's almost you, overboard, Cody. Right, it's like too much. Overboard, but from a business standpoint and from from a, a, a gratitude standpoint, you cannot handle the firing of, of a head coach 
better than how the Carolina Panthers and David Tepper just did. And, and there's only one after, person that there's only one person that thought they did it, but could have done it better. Jordan Rodriguez had this weird position the whole time, like firing right. him on a Tuesday when nobody is there. Like, but to her credit, I didn't know if she knew that they were going to do a press conference for him literally the next day. And how often does that happen? Or how often are you fired as a head right. coach? Have you, you ever know? heard of a firing being ceremonious? No, I've always heard it's unceremonious. This is an unceremonious. This has been, it got old to me. And when he pulled out the whole ad in the newspaper, I was just all over it. And this, and the reason I say I'm over it is because we don't need to feel bad that we want better. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I thought was, you know, when you talk about, and forgive me if you guys are having trouble hearing me, let me know my connection. Nope, we're good. Um, the 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 fact that it was ex- described as appropriate like you said tony is is really kind of doubled in with where ron said that in his interview with jerry richardson he asked how long he wanted to be there he said somewhere between eight to ten years he said after that it's probably going to be time to move on you know and and at nine years like it's 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 almost just poetic in that for in that frame of mind because he made the decision before he even got offered the job that eight to 10 years was the time frame he wanted to be here. So I think it actually ended up in, in the favor of him and what he wanted. Uh, See, appropriate. I, I, I don't like that though. Like he, he, I'm not doubting that he said that, but why would you go into anything like this where you say you're going to do it for eight to 10 years? Because then, you know, if you know, you're going to quit around, then you're going to have senioritis. Once you get towards the point well, that he's at, and just not give a shit and, well, and half-ass your job, I don't think, I don't think it was ever a situation where he thought he was going <laughs> to quit. I think he just realized the the average tenure for a coach in the NFL is not okay. going to go that, that long. Um, and you know, it, it, I don't think it was ever a situation where ten years hit, he made the decision. Like he was oh, almost man, making the. It's, it's one of those ant, uh, questions in the interview where they go. Tell us your greatest weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, or, or your greatest strengths. And you don't want to be like, well, I got the biggest, you know what? You got to like keep it measured. So you'd be like, well, I think one of my strengths is that I know that I have weaknesses. That's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> or or Michael, Michael Scott, or do Michael Scott and say, I care too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the next call. The number is 252. Yeah, go ahead. 252-228-5098. What's up, C3? It's Darius from Raleigh. I just wanted to talk What's about up, Darius? the Dante Jackson again. <laughs> I'm tired of coaches being held in a high regard when they constantly still make mistakes. Well, don't worry. Nobody's really held in a high regard right now. And not be able to be vocal. I understand it can come off, you know, kind of condescending and rude. But when our defensive coaches have been constantly scheming terribly all season long, you know that's going to get to these players. When you mismanage players and don't use them correctly, other players see that. Look at what happened with Golden. 
misused ever since we drafted him, and there's been countless other players that this has happened to. That's what Dante I've been saying, said it, man. Quite honestly, respectfully, and I completely agree. You know, he held himself accountable at the end. He's like, I should have made the tackle, but when you're out there scheming wrong constantly, like these are these players' livelihoods. They can get cut off of you constantly scheming wrong and putting them out of position. That makes them look like a bad player, you know? A player getting cut, they don't know if another team is going to pick them up. A lot of times, these coaches are getting jobs left and right, and they're not even doing their jobs right. So, these coaches need to be held in a high regard, and whenever they mess up, they need to speak about it. It doesn't need to be like constant locker room drama, but I'm just saying, like, I completely understand where he's coming from with how we've been scheming all year. This is the same coaching staff that was willing to go to a 3-4 without 3-4 pieces. That's all I got to say. Keep out. All right, next call. Hey, boys. Here in Chicago, stuck in traffic, getting cold. Uh, but, yeah, Chicago kid, I know it's been a while. But uh listen to you guys all the time anyway. Obviously, What's good, man? Big news. He's in the Hyundai uh, I'm right now. A little now. bit different with people, and the fact that I get really attached to my uh, my guys on the team or associated with the team. You know, you know, I'm a Braves fan, Clemson fan, that kind of thing. So, uh, kind of sad uh, about Ron, but you know, when it comes down to it, it's about wins and losses, and uh, that's really why I called. Is um, you guys know I'm in finance, commercial banking. Uh, so I deal with numbers and numbers and numbers. But uh, as I've told you guys once before, this man, Tepper, he's like one of the brightest financial minds on the planet. And uh, one thing I'd want to throw out there is it's not just numbers, right? There's a, a large part to do with talent. So it's not like one plus one equals two, uh, that kind of thing. Like, for instance, in what I do, we have basically – financial scouts all over the planet telling us what's happening in China, what's happening in, you know, Australia, what's happening in Europe, that kind of thing. And that's really what I think Tepper's getting to. Uh, he's going to gamble a bit because there is a certain amount of gambling when it comes to finance and business, that kind of thing. But he's also doing something that I haven't seen this team do in probably going on 10 years uh, from personnel uh, down to the field. We've drafted a bunch of people. You guys have already mentioned this. We drafted a bunch of people, and we never got to see them. We never, you know, saw the, them do anything. Golden is one of them. Scarlet, you mentioned another one. Greer right. this year, uh, high pick yeah. that we never saw. So I think that's really what he's doing from the personnel down to the team. Otherwise, um, you guys just keep pounding. We'll see what happens, and uh, we'll just do what we do. All right, guys. Later. I kind of just wanted to take a second to comment on both of these calls. So the first call, I feel like, you know, he was saying about the coaches need to be held accountable. And I think that both things are true. Like I said, Dante shouldn't run his mouth. But the uh, our coaches, they kind of haven't done um, a lot of great things for the younger guys on the football team. And I kind of feel like that's what the second call was saying, too, that there are players on the football team that we draft and they just never get meaningful playing time. And my question to everyone else is, how are you supposed to grow 
as a football player, if you're not ever allowed to to grow and develop on the football field, I, I just I see so many other NFL teams and they draft players and they're making an impact on the team right now. I mean, the Saints are doing it, the Chiefs are doing it, the Titans are doing it. I see so many fantastic first year players, and it just seems like we had our opportunity at that with Brian Burns and even Dante Jackson last year. And then they fizzle out because of the coaching staff that we have. So I really do hope that our second caller is correct and that we, we're going to, you know, start this whole thing brand new under uh, David Tepper's guidance. Well, I think for me, when, when it comes to Tepper, um, and I don't know if it was Masin Muhammad told, told somebody this or what, what was that? Some player I recently heard say, you need to dare to be great, right? Like you can sit around and play around and be good, you know, you, but, but being great takes risk. It takes you stepping. And have you ever heard this, this, the line that, uh, C, uh, a students work for C students. Yeah. Right. Because the idea is that kid, people who have never failed, don't know how to fail and what they do is the idea is that they avoid risk at all costs because of the fear of failure now these are all just ultimately uh platitudes about about these types of things or anecdotal sayings but i do think we can glean something from it is that and this is i think been cody's point for over a year now when it comes to ron rivera like, if you want to be good but not great at this point, then let's just stay with Rivera. Yeah. But if you want to dare to be great, it's time to move this franchise in a different direction. Now, that gets nerve-wracking when that conversation also goes to, like, well, does that mean daring to be so great that you trade people like Cam and Luke to move up and take such a – does it have to be so drastic – Right of a risk, and that I I think is where the unsettledness runs. Is that does it really take us tanking to get better, or is there a way to get better incrementally, quickly? You know, um, and okay, if you want to go first, just let me know. Um, but uh, I'm, you go ahead. I didn't catch the question. Yeah, no, I mean I'm just kind of thinking that everything takes time. But, boy, what a good draft we'll do for a football team, man. I'm telling you, if you look at that 2017 Saints draft, and trust me, my brother's a Saints fan. He lets me hear about it all the time. Like, they put a premium player at just about every position that they drafted that year. And, and they went from being a 7-9 football team to winning the division. To being what team is this? The New Orleans Saints. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had a good draft. What was that, two 100%. years ago? 100%. So there is no no methodology. Oh, it takes this long to turn around a football team. I mean, it really just depends on who you have leading the organization, man. But this doesn't have to be a, a five- or six-year rebuild. There's absolutely no reason for that if you do it correctly and if you have the proper talent, talent evaluators on your football team, building a system that your team follows. All right. I want to go on to 
Go ahead, CK. I was going to say, look what Chris Ballard did with the Colts in such a short time. Right. You know, 100%. But, like, yeah, if they had you know, luck, really kind of, they could be really yeah, a lot better right now. Oh, yeah. Well, that, they got obviously bad luck with that situation, no pun intended. Um, but ultimately, I think the bottom line was when you look at them from 2016 to 2017 or yeah, 2017 to 2018, it is like two completely different teams. And it all started with that draft class with, you know, Quentin Nelson, with uh, Darius Leonard, with, you know, Marlon Mack. I mean, they, they, you know, in a matter of two seasons, they basically built a entire all-pro team almost with a, you know, quarterback that's able to run it. That That's kind of slipped a little bit with the downgrade from Buck to Brissett. But, I mean, it's just a prime example of a rebuild doesn't have to be a depressing decade. Right. There, one of the now back to um, Chicago kids call too on have on playing young players. You know, one of the things I, and Bill Daughtry, who's in the chat, and I getting closer to pronouncing your name right. I know that it was closer this time, but I don't think it. Bill D. Bill D. sent me a message on Twitter on uh, Facebook today, and he said this. Uh, he said, "I'm torn on playing on Greer playing." Do I want to see Allen sit for the rest of the season? Yes, but do I want to see Greer get his ass kicked behind a crappy, torn-up O-line? I want to see if Greer is worth his salt, but we need some tools in front of him that would allow us to give him a fair grade. With the way this O-line has been, I bet Cam would be having issues. Anyway, keep pounding and catch you on Stitcher. Now, thanks, Bill. Uh, He's in the chat room right now for the comment. And it's also something that uh, Chicago Kid hinted on, too. He mentioned Will Greer among the names. Now... One of the things for, that we've talked about for years is that this we we kind of felt like the fingerprints of this problem were Ron Rivera's to a certain degree, that he's always been better with veterans. He's had difficulty coaching, you know, seeing when it's time to pull the trigger on the guy who practices well versus the guy who has talent at the moment. You know, and, and the joke has always been from Cody is that, you know, if Amina Silatulu wouldn't have gotten hurt, he still would be starting for the Carolina yeah. Panthers. So where I am at on this, now there's been a lot of talk and discussion, and we've been part of that talk of whether Will Greer should start to get time. And there's been some articles that have gone a couple of different ways, and the public stance right now from the Carolina Panthers is that Kyle Allen is their guy. He gives them the best chance to win. And there's this weird kind of, I don't know, we don't want to throw him under the butt. Well, it's not even weird. I think they just don't want to throw him under the bus when they know the whole team sucks. But what else do you do with the final four games when you can't make the playoffs? There's an article on the Roaring Riot about this today that I saw. And I let me pull it up. It said this. This is a quote from Will Greer. He said, I think I've gotten a lot better. I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. Without taking reps, you have to be able to learn and grow and watch and try to soak in as much as I can. So I'm trying the best I can. How do you win? You know, when, when else? Why would a jab, in my opinion. Why? When else is the time to give these guys reps? If these games are meaningless right now, the meaning right now is to evaluate any and every nook and cranny of the roster because right now it's on the verge of everybody being cut. Yeah, yeah no. I, I fully agree with that. I mean, 
the, the, the points that I think that are fair from the other side of a career not starting immediately is there's if he comes in and he's not able to do well well guess what's going to happen next year he is not going to have an opportunity at all and do you want him to come into a system now and that that clearly has not been efficient and, and effective with the way that it's been run with a defense that can't keep you know can't uh, keep offensive offensive offenses from scoring, if I could speak, uh, and and now you have to force Greer to actually force balls and uh, you know throw the basically carry the team. Do you want to put him in a position where he ruins his confidence because you're so anxious to see what he has to offer, or do you want to put him in the best possible situation? Which in some some and I'm not going to sit here and try to compare him to Rodgers or. Uh, Garoppolo, which Garoppolo is kind of a mixed bag in my opinion, or even you know, uh, uh, if he was Garoppolo, if he was Garoppolo, we would be jumping for joy right now. Well, and that's the thing is Garoppolo was you know it's kind of the same thing you develop behind a veteran, and I think that if you put that into perspective, what if next year, or even a couple years, when Cam Newton is no longer the face, if it is, it happens to be next year, then great. You know, obviously not so happy for you know us, but you know we'll we'll go ahead and we'll have an answer. We'll be able to move on from this whole discussion. But you know, at that point in time, do we then find out what we actually have in Will Greer because he's had an opportunity to learn? The problem is he hasn't been learning behind a veteran. He's been learning behind Kyle Allen, and that's I think, where though, I think the problem runs. One, but the problem I have with that is this: is that what we? I feel like we're treating him like he's a delicate piece of china, and we're so scared to drop him and break him. Why don't we instead of just put? Why don't we just put him out there for the final three games and say this: we will not learn all of what Greer, Will Greer is How by the end this? of this. By the end of the three games, we won't know exactly who he is. But he will have an opportunity to be getting better, and we will also have kind of a barometer of where to start on grading him. Well, but I mean, th- think about if you're the you're the Patriots. Tom Brady got suspended four games for the gate, and then Jimmy Garoppolo came in and played well, and then that caused other teams to want to inquire about Jimmy about. Garoppolo. How yeah. how are we? Okay, no one really thinks that Will Greer is going to be the future of the franchise. But even if you felt that he might be, at at this point in time, there is literally no reason for us not to be playing him. One, for him to show and prove that he can get some meaningful reps in and run the offense effectively so that way you can feel confident about him moving forward into next year as your potential starter. Or you show the NFL, hey, you know what? If the Panthers selected Justin Herbert, or to attack of Iloa or whatever sometime in the near future, we have another quarterback on the roster that teams would happily give up a second or third round pick for, and that adds to our ability to build the football team. There is no reason to not play him now. We know who Kyle Allen is. Let Will Greer play football. That's what he was drafted to do. Bill well, Bill Dontreve means- says this: If if Greer plays, or he asked this: If Greer plays, what is the baseline to consider him a success? 
I don't think you can have a baseline for success this late in the year. I mean, honestly, I think for him, I would say this to look competent. That's it. At any point, if you look like you are not, the situation is too big for you. That would be a success to look like you've made progress is honestly, because what we saw from preseason is he was throwing the ball directly to defenders. Um, making very bad decisions. Well, so Brandon. is Kyle Allen. Yeah, both exactly. of them. Were. Exactly. And that's the thing is that, you know, we wanted to sit here and crown Kyle Allen because he came in and he was successful, um, even though he had a horrible, horrible preseason. It was not good at all. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think that you, you have to put him in. But one of the things you said is why can't we put him in and say – you know, this we can't really know that this is going to be all that you know all that Will Greer is. You know, as Panthers fans, we're going to be immediately judging him even after the first quarter. He is going to be already in cemented in people's minds if he plays one quarter of bad football as a, the quarterback that is not going to be a starter next year. But the coaching staff, the coaching staff should have the wisdom though to know that that's not the case. What I mean is this is like. This is an opportunity for him to get some just reps, even if they're bad. What about the fact that Scott Turner was the quarterback coach? He's the offensive coordinator now, and he's still keeping Kyle Allen in. You know, he was the direct coach of the guys, and they're still going with Kyle Allen. And you know that's going to be a decision that Scott Turner made, not the one that Perry Fuel made. Do you think it happens before the end of the season? No, I really don't. I really don't because I think there's a very real scenario that Will Greer is even behind the curb on where they thought he would be at this point in his development. Now, I don't know this because no one knows this and we're not going to know. They this. don't even know it because they don't even him. give him reps. But what, but my point is, let's say they're not giving him reps because he's generally not taking the next step even in practice. Then you better damn sure hope Cam Newton comes back to the Carolina Panthers because that does not bode well for our front office's ability to identify but a starting caliber Here's the problem with that, Cody, and Ron Rivera said this in a press conference when Kyle Allen and they and they asked Ron Rivera this, is they said that he doesn't get reps in practice. So you can't he can't show if he's getting better or not. The only practice he gets is maybe running scout team occasionally, right, for the other team. And second, book work. Like, board, like is he studying his playbook? Is he talking in the meetings a lot? Well, what I'm saying is in the regular season, the practices are very formulaic. And that is you're going to do a practice, then you're going to do a run-through, then you're going to do an install. I don't know what the order is. But there's no, like, extra time for, like, all right, well, let's bring out the twos and see how they're doing. Right. Um, they're just hold, they hold my beer the whole time. And so that's the thing is I don't know how can they truly even have an idea of how he's progressing when they're not really trying to see. And, and again, I mean, we're, we're, I just want to make it a point to make sure that we're all in agreement here that this is now the third player that is that have taken subliminal shots. Dante Jackson took a very overt shot at our coaching staff. But Brian Burns earlier in the season when they asked him about his reps said, Oh, my hand's been fine for a while now. Oh yeah, okay, that's so, right. Don't so, forget so that, that one. That that was shot number one. Will Greer now saying, 
oh, well, it's hard to grow when you're not getting any reps. That shot number two. And then Dante. we're already talking about Dante Jackson. I mean, and we're trying to read if Cam took any. You know, there's some ways that you could, you're trying to read into that. Was Cam, you know, I need to step up. Who knows? All right, let's go to the next call. You guys cover the call. I got to go refill my, hold my beer while I get my another beer. All right. <laughs> got to professor. All right, this is Ryan. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. I dedicate the phone call to the professor, a.k.a. the jockstrap washer. Oh, God. What the hell are you thinking with a comment like that, man? All right. <laughs> Anyways. I also believe y'all are reading too much into what David Tipper's saying. He seems pretty damn transparent. You guys got to keep filming in about this. Be right the guy. He would have fired Marty Herney already. I mean, Marty, if you fired Marty Herney right now, that doesn't really affect anything as far as what's on the field. Um, he keeps saying, I'm going to put people in a position to win, to bet, uh, to succeed. And I believe, well, hardly, when he says, you know, Marty Herney has one of the best eyes for talent, I do believe that. For every damn Rashawn Galdon he's picked, he's managed to snatter Greg Hardy in the later rounds. For every Will Greer, he's picked up a Ryan Toledo in the later rounds. Because Ryan Toledo, I think, was a late second, early third round pick. So he has a good eye for talent. What I believe he's saying is he's going to hire VP and a COO of the general manager area to deal with the more financial side of things as far as contract negotiations. And I believe he's just going to make up a position and promote Marty Herney to just solely focus on the talent and scouting aspect of the football game. And I believe if we just do that, Marty Herney will actually give us better drafts than what he's given us in the past. I would actually appreciate it if Herney just focused on drafting folks opposed to negotiating contracts because he's put in some bad, bad positions before. <clears throat> And he's probably going to do it again if he continues to uh, be the full general manager of things. That's just my thoughts. I have no facts. But I need to freaking fire the guy at the end of the season or after the draft. I don't know. But anyways, that's just my thoughts on that. And, uh, yeah, keep coming. All right, sorry. I was busy getting the jock straps. <laughs> As is your job, you know. Do uh, <laughs> your job. Yeah. I mean... So, yeah, go ahead, Greg. I, well, I was just gonna say he's—he's. He's, I mean, he's basically just kind of uh, disputing our point about how uh, Tepper feels about Marty Herney uh, that we were talking about last week, and which is oh. fine because I mean it's a fair. It's what a did fair he say? Argument. Did I mean, he say that Marty Herney is gonna is is like the future? I th- please well, don't I think say he said that. What he's saying is that he's gonna keep him around just in a different position. But if he was going to fire him, he would have already fired him. And I mean, it's a fair argument. He's absolutely right. I mean, he could have just. But I don't think it would have been smart well, to fire your is, GM and your head coach in the same week. Right in the same day without a paddle. Yeah. That's like throwing the paddle out uh, yeah. and the life vest at the same time. But uh, here's the thing: is Herney did not get a promotion. No. And I mean, it's hard to get a promotion when you're general manager. So, but I think this is clearly a, a signal that they're moving in a different that for a future without Marty Herney doing more than bridging us till next year and we can get new scouts you've heard rumors that they've fired all the scouting staff and all of this yeah did you hear the interview that David Tepper did uh, after the Ron Rivera press conference so there's the one that he did with Bill Voth and then there was the one in front of the Panthers banner where they do all the interviews in Bank of America Stadium 
and all the reporters were around him. And he he's talking about Hernia and he says, Oh, I think uh Marty Hernia's a great talent evaluator. And he goes, Oh, well maybe not great, but he's a good talent evaluator. <laughs> like he actually said that. He had to, he said great, stopped himself and then changed it to good. It, dude, it's like this is kind of what I feel, and that kind of adds to what you thought about it. They're going to bring in another guy that they're going to groom to be the general manager until they're ready to gracefully let go of Marty Herney like they did. Which Ron will Rivera. be after the draft. That's yeah, what it's yeah, going to be. Which will be sometimes, especially if David Tepper finds a guy that he's in love with. So right now the rumor mill is Kevin Colbert, who uh, is a big time. I don't know if he's the GM, but he works for the – Steelers, Steelers. Yeah. yeah, he's but on a one-year right. contract on purpose, like so he can right. get a job. So, dude, if Kevin Colbert is on the way to Carolina, dude, bye, Marty. Thanks for your time here, bro. And, and yeah. that, that's it, you know. Um, I think I'm right. I'm right on all this. I'm 100 percent right, and I'm, and and I'm the best jockstrap washer out there <laughs> in the world because I, I tell you, it's going to happen. My fear around this time that they were going to announce that Cam Newton was getting surgery. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. Cam Newton goes under the knife, gets a, uh, his, what is it again? His, uh, whatever it is, not the meniscus. What's the injury Liz again? Frank. Liz Frank, that's right. Uh, so the idea then, but they say somehow they're now quantif- qualifying this as not as bad, like not the full Liz Frank. So now I got the fear of this. This is now my new fear, guys, when it comes to Cam Newton. Just like his last, his first shoulder surgery was not a full gut and clean out job. It was a partial, right? Is I hope that this isn't a repeat of that, a partial fix to a problem. Yeah. No, um, but look, Cam went on a knife on Monday. And that was my fear. And I told you that Tepper was phasing Marty Herney out. And I do think that brings us to this. Is Look, there's 73 viewers on the show right now. And our, our team sucks. Hmm. That means we've got great fans right now. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Subscribe to the show. Call in 252-228-5098. Give us your thoughts on Herney, on Tepper, on the direction of this team. And... What I want to talk about, Cody, is you said the rumor mill for GM. I heard another good pairing, and it was an NFL.com article, I believe. And it was somebody that was pretty good. Like, they were a decent writer, not trying to. It was a very thorough article. You know who I saw it was, uh, and it might have been the Boston Globe, actually. Billy Marshall is the one that tagged it. And okay. in this, what the, the I, one of the things is, is that. Right now, the Nick Casero and Josh McDaniels could exit together. And this is my new desire. This is what I want. This is what I would, this is my my dream, other than Lincoln Riley, is to to screw the evil empire. (laughs) I was about about to ask you, so... Uh, other than just them being associated with the Patriots, why, why is that your your dream get? Is it is, well because well, I think is uh, well screwing the Patriots is one, but I do think here uh, as a real as a real reason is I do have some hesitations when it comes to Josh McDaniels because of what he did to the Colts, like that just didn't seem like a square deal. 
uh, for him where he took the job, they go and announce it, and then he backs out. I thought that was a shit kind of shitty move. But obviously, New England was trying to tell him something. But I think that, look, as New England has had continued success when it comes to personnel, and so it just seems like everybody always works. And, I mean, look, their worst pick, it feels like, in a decade has been Sony Michelle. <laughs> and that, and he's awesome. He's just hurt all the time. But, and I think that Josh McDaniels, one thing I like is that he had a failed experience in Denver. And is and it wasn't all bad, his experience in Denver. There were some bright spots. But I think he probably got to learn and mature in the next couple of years where it couldn't be kind of like a Belichick-esque thing. Remember when he gets fired from the Browns and then he was terrible then, and then all of a sudden he's better. And he studied under the master, dude. He's like the dark Sith. Yeah, but people think that about a lot of uh, Patriots coaches. And then it doesn't it doesn't end up turning out quite the same way. But listen, I'm not I'm not gonna play the contrarian. If you were to tell me tomorrow that Josh McDaniels and Nick Casario are coming to Carolina, I'm genuinely happy with that move. I'm not yeah. I'm not bitching about You're not that. I'm not upset. I'm yeah. Not, yeah, I'm not complaining about that at all. Um I, I still don't think it's the most likely one to happen, but dude, opinions are just like assholes in this situation. Everyone has one and no one really knows what's going on, what David Tepper is gonna do. Um, I, I don't think that they're the favorites if I was a betting man. But I, like I said, I, I'm not mad at that. And, and if they're ever going to move on from the New England Patriots and, and really have an opportunity to implement things their own way, what better time and what better owner than the Carolina Panthers with David Tepper? It's like a, a perfect match. Yeah. Well, what, while I can agree with you on that, the only thing I have, and it really doesn't have anything to do with the coaches at all, it's just kind of a, uh, I don't know, it's, it, there's no evidence backing this other than the fact that every coach that's left New England to go do something somewhere else has failed horribly. <laughs> like, name one New England coach who was under Belichick that's gone out and done a great job wherever he's at. Um, I, I think maybe there are three of them, and it, uh, your opinions on all three of them might be up in the air. It's Romeo Cornell, who's a defensive coordinator. It's Bill O'Brien, who's currently the head coach of the Texans, and Mike Vrabel. Uh, and Matt Patricia. Was, Matt Patricia, yeah, too. Right. And, I, and, wouldn't, but, but Matt, okay. I wouldn't put Matt Patricia as being successful. I think that when you look at what the Tennessee Texans Oh, oh I just now, thought you were listing the tree. Well, no, oh, no, no, no. I'm not even – I'm saying they're probably, out of all the, the ones that have left, I think Bill O'Brien – uh, and uh, Romeo Cornell and Mike Vrabel are probably ha- have had the most success. Um, and then other than that, yeah, it, it's kind of ha- it's been pits. But to that, you know, when I evaluate talent uh, for draft tech for um, and college football players, I never try and judge a, a player based off of what another player before him couldn't do. So okay. I remember before we drafted Brian Burns. Oh, defensive ends from Florida State never work out. Well, none of those guys were Brian Burns either. So, you know, I don't know. Well, USC receivers don't work out either. No, I am one of those guys. Juju Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster is... I do want to take a real timeout and just say this. Timeout. Good night, Susan. Happy birthday. Thanks for the donation. We'll see you Sunday. Go back to the mic. Go on, Cody. 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I just want my general rule is I want to make sure that we evaluate people for their own merits and not kind of based on oh, well, it's from the Patriots and other Patriots players haven't done well before. We kind of judge people based on what they've done and what they bring to the table from their own unique perspective. Yeah, that that makes a, that makes a ton of sense. And that's why I was I, saying it's really. There's nothing they can control or has anything to do with what could happen with them in the future. It's just looking at the past. And I honestly wouldn't consider Romeo Cornell a really successful head coach. I wouldn't really no. consider Mike Vrabel a really successful one. I mean, they're good. He's a good coach. Yeah. Not, uh, yeah. And Bill O'Brien. Well, he's new. He's, he's new, too. And he's doing good in the back end of this season. All of a sudden, now yeah. they're on right. fire right now. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, they're not, like, really super successful coaches. No. So. And well, he made the playoffs last I'm- year. And that's kind of why I mentioned them because even like you can make your arguments for and against them being good coaches based on what they've done. So it's right. kind of a little bit of both in that in that standpoint. Right. Okay, um, I do. Let's go back to the rumor mill, and then we'll get back into the calls. Have you guys heard this other one about potentially trading for Mike Tomlin? Yes, now I, to 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 kind of just piggyback this, Cody is who's the guy's name from Pittsburgh again? Uh, the Robert? yeah. So here is we talked about the Casario McDaniel's duo. Is the Colbert Tomlin duo doable? Mm. So let me, if I if I may, just sort of put it this way. Um, I'm a fan of Mike Tomlin. Um, if you look at what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done, they've only missed the playoffs like one or two times in like nine or ten years, something crazy like that. And you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers now, they've lost Ben Roethlisberger, lost Le'Veon Bell, lost Antonio Brown, and they're the sixth wild card spot in the AFC right now. And, and, and they started very slow. Um, I would love to have Mike Tomlin on the Carolina Panthers, but that article was talking about sending draft picks to Pittsburgh and trying to move around a bunch of pieces and trade for them. And right now our roster isn't in a position where we can afford to throw away that kind of draft capital on a coach right now. There has to be a legitimate football team for that coach to coach. And and we're just we're not that kind of football team right now. But that said, you know, if it was a situation where Tomlin was available I would be all for it, but that's that's not what it is. I wonder, yeah, I mean, is that I don't think that we have the luxury of sacrificing draft picks, and I don't think it is, uh, like you said, I think that's a great point, is that we're not one piece away. No. Right? Uh, NC Hager 22 says, Tony, you're going to wear some small hands and go as Allen to the game instead of Granny Cam. <laughs> I would, I'd have to dress like a teenager, which I do already. So actually, that's somebody else said that is I look like a teenager. Go, I'm a teenager. Look like I'm 12 going on 50. So I look young and I'm old. Hey, that's a good thing right there. That's yeah. a good thing. Uh, I think you know what I just kind of all of a sudden just got intrigued by the idea of these package deals, like some continuity coming over. I think that would be cool. I think this is like if they fire Tomlin. Then we better. I think jumping on them would be great. If they will take cash for them, Tepper's got the money to make that happen. We don't have the luxury of doing some draft picks, though. Like, we just don't. 
We've got too many yeah. spots to fill. And if anything, we need draft picks rather than losing them. Especially if What about this? What if you traded Cam for Tomlin and they gave us a draft pick? They're going to be in the play. They might be in the playoffs, so their draft, first round draft pick's not going to be that great. Well, and they don't have one oh, because oh, they traded. Yeah. They, they well, traded. For me. They traded they what traded if they gave us a second in Tomlin for Cam? Nah, no deal, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm not into it. And like I said, I really do think Mike Tomlin is probably the most underrated head coach in the NFL. I know he gets a lot of shit for the Steelers locker room. And having A B and I couldn't imagine having Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and Ben Roethlisberger in the same locker room. Oh my gosh. Jesus, dude, that, that takes dude, a big you know, that takes a big man to manage but doesn't that. Doesn't that say something about yes, Tomlin? I think so. He's I think been so. able to overcome that. I think so too. And like I said, I would love to have the man, but, but not knowing what we're gonna do with the quarterback position. If we're going forward with Cam Newton, let's just say we we're trying to get in, into the uh, the race for Trevor Lawrence. You definitely don't want to be missing one or two picks in the first round. You just don't do that. Tin Tizzy says we don't know if Tepper is one of those owners that wanted Tomlin gone. That's interesting. How about this? All right, so first of all, I hate even saying the words trade Cam. But what about we're this saying one? We're saying it very cavalier now. Do you notice that? Like before, it was like something we didn't even utter. Now we're all kind of talking about. Oh, it I know, I know. I don't, I don't, I don't want it to happen, and I don't think it should. But I do I think we have we to. Have, uh, yeah, we've all come around to the fact that it's it's pop. it's more and more possible all the time. How about this? This is the one. This is the one that I would think about. Minka Fitzpatrick and Tomlin for Cam. <laughs> and and a draft pick and a second rounder. That would be awesome, dude. We would get a safety. We need a safety. It would be awesome. But, like, I mean, because we would lose Cam. That's, like, the shitty part. But that's the only – I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't even know what trading for a coach even well, looks like. The last time it happened was Gruden, right? Well, i tell you what I'd rather do other than that. To be honest with you, if you're talking about trading Cam away to the Steelers and you're wanting Tomlin, you might as well trade for Roethlisberger, too, and have at least a quarterback that's going to get through the next few years. Eh, Roethlisberger few wants years, to yeah. retire. No, he, he wants, wants to retire, retire every, every year. Every year. Every yeah, year, and now he's hurt. And now he's hurt. Wanna, well, what's yeah. Cam? No. Cam's hurt. I'm not having a rapist on my team. Okay. I, I, can't, I can't argue against that. How about that? Okay, is that but, if we, if we got a problem with Eric Reed being on the team, which I don't, I don't. If we got a problem with Greg Hardy getting all coked up and him and his girlfriend getting an but argument, how about this? Is then we got to get upset about Roethlisberger raping a chick in the bathroom. Even even from a football perspective, though, Greg, you're talking about moving the wrong direction. We're yes, getting I'm old. Never. We're getting older yes, and yes. and and not younger. And and I think that. With the winds of change blowing here in Carolina, to to say that we're going to do all these new things and then go get Ben Roethlisberger is very kind of mm-hmm. you know cut off your nose to spite your face kind of thing. So um, yeah, I, I'm 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 not too happy on bringing in Yod, a veteran at all. It's either Yo says Yo says Tomlin's about to be in the playoffs. He ain't leaving. And Josh from Mass says maybe we can trade Tony to Buffalo for a six pack. 
Damn, they roasted your ass, telling it down. They always are all over my ass. They love uh, me. It's just all fun right. to do, man. All right, next call. 252-228-5098. I got another one for you. Okay. Remember Ring of Fire? I don't... I don't think this one's as good, but here we go anyway. Oh, where, oh, where can the Panthers be? Oh, where, oh, where can they be? I ain't seen them since the Packers game. And we didn't even win that. Oh, my ring. That is. How about this? You guys want to roast me now? Next call. <laughs> guys. Oh, this. I kind of already wrote this season off. This might have been the first goal. The third quarter point of the Falcons game or so. I mean, we were playing real bad. Uh, The first Falcons game, I hope you mean. So, I was listening to the Around the NFL podcast, and Chris Westling mentions that uh, Dwayne Haskins has a sack issue. Well, I'm glad our quarterback never left the game due to a sack injury. <laughs> oh, what? Sack. Uh, sack. Like he hurt his sack? No, or I he got he sacked? Being sacked too many times, I think. That's mm. a good podcast around the NFL podcast. All right. Uh, All right. I think that's what he next, was talking about. But Next call. Don't hurt your sack or else I won't wash your dang jockstrap. <laughs> It's nice. Hi guys, Rich here in London. It's been a couple of weeks. So Rich, how are you, brother? Um, seems like a wonderful guy, uh, judging by everything said, and I know you've discussed it a lot. Um, but just sometimes the voice gets old, and I think that happened. It sounds like that with the whole coaching staff. Um, I see Mike McCarthy has been very vocal and trying to pretend that he's, uh, well, I don't know if you have the phrase, but you can't polish a turd. I know he did well for a while in Green Bay. But I love we, that phrase. I think the, the fan base will probably revolt if we go for an old school guy. I think something new, something to excite us. Someone, you know, trick plays are happening all over the place, and we've certainly got the players for trick plays. Um, and they work a lot of the time and do fun things. Um, I'm so over Kyle Allen. I wish the guy all the best, and I think he might make a good backup for us. But, oh, my God. Poor old Curtis Samuel. If I have to read any other flipping analyst or commentator telling us how bad Curtis Samuel's been this year, it's like, yeah, no one can get in the ball. No one can actually throw deep to Curtis Samuel. The guy's been doing just sprint reps all year. Anyway, yeah, little bugbear. Otherwise, you know, some reasonable things around the place. Um, So I'll throw it to Cody. Obviously, we're starting looking at the draft again. Um, I just tweeted Cody and I said, if we're picking anywhere around 10, 11, 12, We've got to trade back. Um, We need to be looking to move back to the late teens and pick up either an early second with it or or another first, you know, like get get 19 and 28 or something like that or, or, you know, 19 and and 34 and stuff. We screwed last year's draft so badly. You remember me saying, trading up for Greg Little. I remember, he was bad. Having no pick between, what, 38 and 100, which we then spent on Greer. We then got Christian Miller, which is okay, but we haven't really needed him. Then we went with Jordan Scarlett. It's nothing against the players, but, I mean, basically we've had Brian Burns and Dennis Daly have been productive from last year's draft. It's, it's crazy. 
and we missed out on, you know, look at is one Thornhill. Um, you know, yes. Dalton Reisner is anchoring the, the, the Broncos line, and we could have had him instead of Greg Little. You know, I, I mean, I think Little will be all right. You know, it's not, not so much on the players, but the way we went about it. And I said to you that at 77, which had been our pick, the Patriots took um, Chase Winovich. He has the same number of sacks as Brian Burns. I know he's not as good a player, but we could have had a things. Anyway, I'm running out of time. Guys, love the program. Um, slightly depressing season. Uh, but let's keep fingers crossed for Cam. Keep pounding. Fantastic call, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the show each and every week. Great supporter across the pond. Cody, I think that what I like about that call right there is that he is able to separate that being critical of the draft from being critical of these exact players. So, like, hey, Greg Little might be great for all we know, but it's kind of reminiscent to me of the year that we we traded up to get Devin Funches. Is it's not only about getting the guy you want. But there's a lot of other potential guys that could be contributors, too, that you missed out unnecessarily. Now, I don't know if we would have been able to get great. I like the aggressive move and getting the guy you think is the guy there. But I do think that we've, and I've said this over and over, that Will Greer was selected prematurely. And it's not like, I mean, and then, like he said, you know, by that time, then you go scarlet. And the next, and Dennis Daly is the only guy you get that's contributing on this team other than Brian Burns. That's insane. Yeah, it it really is infuriating. And I tweeted out to Rich earlier. It's incredible that it's already mock draft season for Panther fans. Uh, but that's the truth of it, man. That's where we are right now. And you know, Tony, you know, we're lucky we weren't before. there five weeks ago. There, you know, yeah. uh, CK. Remember that CK when Cam got hurt. And you sent me the message that, like, oh, shit, we got to go to all these games? Yeah, I do remember that. Absolutely. You, you know, so we're lucky uh, that we didn't start this conversation in week five. Yeah, we are. We're, we're very fortunate. Um, but, you know, what? before we get into the elbow, we need to trade down or we need to, you know, acquire some more picks. You really need to wait. I mean, the draft in and of itself, in and of itself is something that I love so much. Because it's a game within itself. Like that's why I always thought it would be so fun to be a GM on draft night. You're, you know, you're having to see where players go off the board. You're, uh, you're picking up the phone for trades coming in. You're having to navigate during the course of a draft the future of your franchise. And, and I, I love it. I, I get super into it every year. That's why I write for Draft Tech and I evaluate. Who are you mocking to us right now? Who are you mocking to the Panthers um, right now? Right. And, of course, you would ask me this because, okay, uh, to all my C3 fans, you'll get a sneak preview. But tomorrow we have a brand-new mock draft coming up on Draft Tech, and I have us taking Isaiah Simmons. Now, Isaiah Simmons is from Clemson. I'm not just – and I did not (laughs) – honestly, I did not – One day we're going to be the Carolina Clemson Tigers. Well, no, but how Draft Tech does it is I didn't even select the player – I adjusted the algorithm based on what position I prioritize. So he's a linebacker safety hybrid. I put that as a high priority on our list, and then it kind of finds the player for us. Um, Isaiah Simmons is probably the most athletic player in the country right now. And if any of you watch some of the college football games coming up uh, at the end of this month and you watch some Clemson, 
you're going to hear the name Isaiah Simmons over and over and over. He has the potential to be that um, uh, Jalen Smith from um, Dallas kind of player, that long, fast, agile linebacker. Think almost as like a Derwin James almost. Derwin James played that safety position, incredibly rangy, can cover tight ends down the seam. We wanted him so bad, by the way. Do you remember when we were? I I was banging the table for Derwin James that year. I know. And and who'd we take? Is that did we get Chris McCaffrey that year? Um, that year, or was it DJ Moore? DJ Moore. DJ Moore. But I promise you, as you start to know the names as draft time comes around, you will know the name Isaiah Simmons. That's a promise. And and considering we don't know how much longer. Uh, Luke Kickley is going to continue to play football. That might be the the perfect Aaron parent to to number fifty nine. So it's still so early, but right now, if you have a top ten or top fifteen pick, um, it, it's hard to pass up on on a premier player um, to move back a little bit. I tell you, but one person think- who's I tell you who one person that's not scared to do that is Marty Herney. Uh, because he selected Luke Keekley when right. we thought we didn't need any linebackers. And it turned out we did. And he was great. And uh, so that was another feather in Herney's cap right before he got fired. I think that was his last year as GM when he called, yep. when he had Luke. Um, all right. So, well, I CK. Think, I think Luke has at least ahead. one more contract in him. Maybe Brian, so. We yeah. Thought, well, yeah. Brian Erlacher retired when he was 34. Um, and you know we got another six years before you know uh, Luke's at that 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 age. So I think we have one more big contract out of him, and uh, I think he has a lot more in the tank to give. I just think that he needs to get the correct scheme back around him and a group of players that are able to to execute because that's where the problem is. Is um, there is a failure across the board when it comes to the the run defense. I don't think it really falls entirely on Kukli as much as as much as you know, we see him making mistakes. I think it's going to happen when it's a 50-50 shot that he's going to make one because somebody else is missing their gap. Yeah, and uh, I've been... But I've he's been, been making that. real mistakes, too, though. Like, let's... I mean, I know I know that it almost sounds like I'm being hard on Luke Keekley. It's just this. is Things are so bad, even Luke Keekley's not great. All right. That's and crazy. Are, like, that's just and, weird. Hey, and I do think it's one of those scenarios where when you see players playing bad, you're more likely to look at the stars playing right. bad too, and you miss everyone else. But yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at all of them playing bad. Hey, I but, do want to okay. point out real quick while we're talking about the draft. Um, right now, as it sits, if the season ended, we'd be picking 11th. Okay, but the difference between 11th and all the way down to third play, the third draft is only two two wins. Three games left, and the teams are the Redskins has the third pick. They have a tiebreaker with us. They play the Eagles next week. They could win that game. The Dolphins have three wins. They play the Giants. They could win that game. The Lions play the Bucks. They have three wins. They can win that game. <clears throat> the Cardinals play the Browns. They have three wins. They can win that game. And they have and the Cardinals have a tie. So even if they had as many wins as us, the tie would be better than another loss, and they'd go under us. Uh, the Jags play the Raiders next week. They have four wins. So all the way down to the seventh pick, we're only talking about, or down to the third pick, we're only talking about a difference of two wins, and these guys all have winnable games. We can have a top five pick 
if we were to lose out and things were to fall in the right place. Man, See, let, let me tell you, if, if, if we have a top five pick, dude, that, that's some different kind of talent. I'm that, just, just that, saying, that, the, that the way the season's playing about, out, and the teams that are there. CK, does that mean does, CK, does that mean we stand up and cheer uh, on third when down we, when when, uh, when on our offense has the ball? <laughs> like, <laughs> we're like, go! False start! False start! Uh, yeah, is that? Do we have to cheer for the Seahawks next week? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, how funny would that be? Is if next week, for whatever reason, we happen to pull out a win, how depressing is that going to be walking out of that uh, that stadium no. at that point in time? Like, what was the point of this? Like, yeah. let's be honest. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bet you almost anything the Carolina Panthers win at least one more game this season. No way. New, New Orleans. We got we got well, Seattle, remember, the Colts, New Orleans and who there else? at the end. And New Orleans is going to be in a situation where they're probably going to have the first round bye. And it's very possible that that lag doesn't really matter. Yeah, they're resting players at that point. Yeah. It, you know, we, it we doesn't matter. They could rest uh, Drew Brees and they could beat us with Teddy. But it only well, doesn't matter, do too, year. if they have home field advantage. I think just a first round bye is going to, if they have the chance to grab home field advantage, they probably yeah. will. Do I don't it think they're right. resting. Yeah, they're fighting at this point to keep up. That's interesting. I, you know, that's going to be messed up. You know, CK, the irony of that, the the irony is that, you know how you walk down the ramp after a yeah, game yeah. and it's fun during a win and it's terrible during a loss? <laughs> the yeah. ramp walk would be opposite. We will be upset after a win. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Exactly. It's, like, it's going to be the most silent stadium when the defense is on. It's going to be keep pounding, and literally the only sound is going to be from the speakers when they do the <laughs> Everybody's else like, no. Yeah, we want a top five might, pick. You might see people that are Seattle fans doing the keep pounding just because, like, they feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. But, Crazy. But, but I, I just wanted to pinpoint a comment in the chat room real quick. Because I see this a lot. I just want to make sure that people know just how unrealistic it is. Uh, my man and good friend of the show, Brad Dugan, says he figured the top five pick in the draft. Trade up for Joe Burrow. And I, I, I've seen this a lot. A lot of people are saying trade up for Joe Burrow. That yeah, is sure. never going to happen. Not Why? because the Panthers. No, no, Not because the Panthers wouldn't do it. But you would have to have the infinity gauntlet to pry the first-round pick away from the Cincinnati Bengals right now. Joe Burrow is from Ohio, and they're about to draft Joe Burrow to be their franchise. The, the, Joe Burrow is the number one pick to the Bengals. The dude's going to win the Heisman. If, if the Cincinnati Bengals are dumb enough to trade away from Joe Burrow, then they deserve every bad thing that comes to them. What if they're dumb enough to not pick them? And then you trade to the Giants. I would bet you the wheelchair that my cripple ass sits in. Joe Burrow goes number one to the Cincinnati Bengals. If I'm lying, I'm dying, dude. That's it. I it, think it you're is right. Written, you man. think you're right. It is. It is I think written. you're right. It, the Panthers are not. If you're looking at a quarterback, you're looking at either Tua Tagovailoa or Justin Herbert. You better start making your druthers. 
But what if them, all of the what if both of those guys are just there on our natural pick? I mean, we have some real questions to answer coming up here soon, man. That'd be great. Thanks. All right, let's go to the next call. The number is 252-228-5098. Hey, what's up, fellas? Fellow Panther Nation. Is this the man from North oh, yeah. North Carolina? I get it when I can. Uh, so who's going to be the charge here now? I mean, you know, there's not. I mean, What's going on? I mean, personally, in my opinion, it just started with uh, lower end, you know, OC. Oh, he's still on the Ron Rivera train. Restructuring, not with Ron. Um, but Cole, what do we do? I mean, what? Oh, what the fuck do we do? This man is, is in despair Five over Ron years, Rivera. Ten years go to the goddamn Super Bowl and lose. I don't know. Start for the GD. But I mean, come on, man. Gotta be real, man. I mean, I know it's a business. And he's so sad about Ron. I'll say it. I said in my comments. Nobody wants to come here. No big time players do not want to come here because we're a shit market. We're a small market. That is true. He's got a little bit of truth on that. There's nothing to do here. <laughs> There's a lot to do, but not compared to One New York City. Well, I just I point out that come. there's I mean, been a lot of people who signed All right, let's well, I mean, stop the call there. Go ahead, CK. I was just saying, there's a lot of you know players who who even this off season who had better opportunities to go to New York and go to the the Ravens and to Cleveland where they right. didn't have better you know and they still decided to come here. I think you have a lot more. I, I think even beyond the market, you've got to think about Charlotte from this perspective. They're going to get taxed a hell of a lot less in Charlotte than they are in New York. I promise right. you. Right. And players are going to go where they see a winning team being built. So, for example, Jarvis Landry went to the Cleveland Browns. I mean, the the Browns are a bad team because they're a bad coach football team. And honestly, I think Baker Mayfield is showing you that he's not really a carry the team on his shoulders kind of quarterback. But listen, if we bring in a head coach that knows what he's doing and we draft good players and we have a franchise quarterback, if you look at the team that's ready to win football games and they're offering you a contract to come play there, dude, people are going to come to Charlotte, man. Gerald McCoy did it this year. Bruce Irvin did it this year. Matt Paradis this year. And to Mario Hernandez's credit, I think that was at a time when we didn't really have a lot of money to even be working with. And he still managed to pull a rabbit out of a hat and, and land some, uh, some, some important pieces to our roster right now. So, yeah, it, we're in Charlotte, but it's the fastest-growing city in the South. We represent two states. People are going to come to Carolina if you put the pieces in place. Well, I think this is – I think the small market thing is a remnant of the past. And, what, and, and I'm not saying that Charlotte is not a small market, 
what I'm saying is this is I think that big markets in a world before the internet yeah, meant meant a lot more, and now right you have a way to go beyond that. Is that so? I don't necessarily. I mean, really, the only thing is this: is if Charlotte was a bad city to live in, which it's not, right? So there's not nothing to do. It's like I mean, nice restaurants, nice schools. It's a great place to raise your family, type thing. So that's going for it. But really, you know where football players go, where the damn money is, and you know why they haven't come to Carolina. Because we ain't paid none of them. Yeah, no. we haven't got money. And we've never gone ever. Like, when's the last big name, like, free agent? Matt Paradis name? is the biggest free agent name we've had in 12 years. Yeah, Before that's what Greg I mean. Olson, I would say, yeah. It was, yeah, you know, know who it was crazy. before that? Ken yeah. Lucas. <laughs> who got his nose broke by damn Steve Smith. The number's 252-228-5098. Good evening, Tony and Cody. Got a question for you guys. You, uh, What's up? you astute Panthers super fans. Who do you think is the best coach in Carolina Panthers history? You got George Seifert, Don Capers, John Fox, Ron Rivera. Yeah, we're going to talk the best about coach this in your opinion. Now, I go with John Fox because he never had a Cam Newton. He never had a Luke Keekley. He never had the superstar players or the V League. MVP. So that's why I would choose John Fox over Ron Rivera. You know, Ron Rivera has the most wins in franchise history. But let me know your thoughts. Who would you pick as the greatest coach in Carolina Panthers history? Who did I Thank say? You. I said and it was like Dom. I said somebody job. stupid. I like I the same for our team. Who wasn't a coach? I said it somebody that wasn't even our coach. He said so. It was George Seifer? Was it Dom Capers? Dom Capers, yeah. George, um, uh, George Fox, John Fox, and Ron Rivera. I don't know, man. I feel like you guys take it. I don't know. I want to. No, I, I feel I like I got to say like, Ron Rivera. Well, I feel like I'm not so but, suited to to answer this question. And like I said, I, I, I know the history. I mean, I've been aware of John Fox and Jake DeLong forever, man. Even before I was like, you, you know, yeah crazy about the Panthers. I was always aware of everyone, but I mean, listen, I'm very biased. 2015, for my life, there has never been a more magical, better season where I've had more fun watching football. And if I'm going to give credit to Luke Kickley and Cam Newton, well, I'm also going to give credit to Ron Rivera for being the coach of a team that almost went undefeated. So, and if you look at the numbers, no one has more wins than Ron Rivera. He is officially the winningest head coach in in, in Panthers history. So I, I cast my vote for Ron Rivera. I don't think it's a tall list of names to to go on, but I would I would still say Ron. You know, I'm actually going to agree with the caller. I think it's John Fox for the very reason he said. Is first, he didn't have a Cam Newton, and if. You know the people that I've gotten criticism from in 2015. The defense wasn't even good, according to them. It was just Cam Newton's show, which is not... I mean, there was a lot to it. I think there's a good point there. Ron was along for the ride and part of that. But I think this is... There's a couple of years... Remember that year that John Fox won, like, 10 games or something when we just had the double trouble... And it was like we like I think Jake DeLome has was hurt at that point. He wasn't he was on the back the end. Dirt, he was starting to get bad. Two thousand and eight no, I mean, I think uh, DeLome was still a quarterback, but it was like two thousand and eight. 
and we ended up uh, not going far in the playoffs. We made it there or something. And, you know, so there were some good coaching things, but they're so similar, too. They're just kind of like identical, if you think about yeah. it. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they kind of start off slow. I mean, I wouldn't say John Fox started off slow. He was signed in 2002. Um, you know, in, in you know his first regular season, it was an actual winning season. Um, you know, but nonetheless, it was a uh, – he – Good evening, Tony and Cody. Oh, oh sorry. for you guys. You. <laughs> so, John Fox had a shorter tenure by one year than Ron Rivera. And Ron Rivera just this year became the winningest head coach. So by default, wouldn't that mean that John Fox was the better coach? Right, right. Not and that better, 2003 but... season, and like this is going back when like Cody was a baby. But that 2003 season, we we magical. It was. It was a different. I heard Muhammad's, uh, Musin Muhammad saying it was different than the 2015 season. When you get to the Super Bowl and you feel like you're the best team in 2015, in 2003, we just felt like we were the hottest team. And, you know, we reeled off these on-the-road wins against all these teams in the playoffs. We beat the Rams, greatest show on turf in their last age. Then we beat the Eagles, Donovan McNabb and the Eagles. Then you go on with the Patriots. Like, it was awesome. We won, and we won in so many different ways that year. That was real cool, too, is that in the beginning of the season, we won only because of our defense. And then later in the playoffs, we won because of the offense. We won one game because we simply balked four kicks against Tampa. It was mm-hmm. so. I yeah, I think I, the edge goes to John Fox in my mind. But also, and he is a more successful coach. He's won a Super Bowl, right? He was the closest to winning a Super Bowl for us as well. You know, if you look at that Super Bowl, that was one of the best games, and they'll always be listed as one of the best games in the Super Bowl era for you know be played. Just yeah. the way that it ended, um, you know. Was I'm he the coach of the Broncos years. when they won the Super Bowl, or was it Kubiak? No, no. Oh, okay, he was, he was okay. So he doesn't lost. have a Super Bowl. Yeah, he was there when they lost, but uh, the year after he left is when they went to the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's I, move on. Go ahead. Real quick, I do want to point out. I got to agree with y'all too. I think it probably is John Fox, just for the, the slight edge. But John Fox did have some talent. He had Jake DeLome, Stephen Davis, Jordan Gross, Steve Smith, Julius Peppers. I mean, uh, Musin Muhammad. Chris you know, Jenkins, Jonathan, Dan Jonathan, Morgan, Jonathan Will Witherspoon. Yeah. Like, I mean, he had some talent. <laughs> so it was just in different positions well, than, than uh, Ron Rivera yeah, had. Some people might, Jake DeLone wasn't initially talent, though, right? But you know? nobody had – he had a couple pretty good years with us. Yeah. Yeah, but not, but not up until that season. Right. But, he, but I mean, I would say that – But he wasn't Newton, Kyle Allen. Yeah. And Correct. I can still dead. hear myself echoing in the background for somebody. Has well, anybody well, got the vod- audio of the show on YouTube playing anywhere? No. Not me. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, don't worry. About, uh, hello. Yep. That was it. Um, but, all right. So, here we go. Let's. It's. I can hear it a little bit when your mic's on, but it's okay. It's not that bad. Um, I'm just sensitive to my own voice because it's just busy washing jockstraps. Uh, next call. It's a tough job. Someone has to do hey guys, it. Guys, Kyle again. I got, I got a quick question. Um, this is about next season, pretty much, and uh, 
y'all kind of touched on it a little bit uh, in the post game about bringing Vernon Butler back. But my question is, do you think we bring Gerald McCoy back? And I'm not going out saying that I think Gerald McCoy is a, you know, a piece of shit football player like uh, Buccaneers fans do, but uh, I don't – if it's me that's making the signing, personally, I don't bring Gerald McCoy back. He's just going to want too much money. I think the biggest thing with him now is just his name. I, I really think that's what it is. When, um, but if you if you look at stats, I mean, shit, and Vernon Butler had almost the same damn season. Vernon Butler got five sacks and um, 13, 15 tackles or something. Gerald McCoy's got five sacks, 13 tackles. Vernon Butler's actually got two or three forced fumbles, and McCoy doesn't have that. So, uh, yeah, just wondering your thoughts. Um, I would say you don't bring Gerald McCoy back. You don't bring one of them back. Maybe you bring Vernon Butler for like $10 million cheaper. Um, anyways, guys, keep coming. He's got five sacks on the season. I think he's been pretty good. I think he's been a good leader or, or helpful yeah, in, a, in a team that doesn't have anybody. But I do think he will command too much money for us probably. But but hold on though I I I kind of I kind of disagree with this I think uh, that I would I would say that it's likely at this point that we that we do see Gerald McCoy come back because think about it when we had um um Gene from the Buckley Hurry podcast on here when we were talking about Gerald McCoy this offseason, and one of the things that we were saying is you know he's not an Aaron Donald. You're not going to put him at three tech and just expect him to feast on the quarterback. He's not the kind of player that makes your defensive line, but he is an important piece on your defensive line that if you put other players around him, all of a sudden Joe McCoy looks a lot better than he would otherwise when he's the main player in your pass rush. Um, I have no problem signing Gerald McCoy for another little while. I think he's proven to be a good veteran, a good guy to have in the locker room. I, still I think, think he's played hard, to too. Yeah. I think that is that it looks like he's really given us full in effort the out there. In the absence of Thomas Davis, his voice has been so incredibly important on this football team. Gerald McCoy knows how to rally the troops, get in everyone's ass, and make them go out there and fight. And I think that's beneficial to have. And I, I kind of think one of the bigger reasons we were excited about Gerald McCoy this season was the prospect of having him and KK pass rushing at the mm-hmm. same time. And that went out of the window when Kwan Short got hurt. Um, oh. I, w- I would not mind having Gerald McCoy back at all. In fact, I think it's likely that we do sign Gerald McCoy to maybe a two- or three-year contract. Um, and if you put some more talent – uh, on this defensive line, I think he is a, a perfect stopgap defensive tackle, um, and I'm, I'm happy to have him on, on the football team. Let me ask you a question on that then, because sure. uh, uh, with all of the changes that are about to come and the fact that it will almost assuredly indicate a rebuild, uh, Gerald McCoy is ready and hungry for a playoff berth, right? That's the reality of his, his life and his situation right now. No, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be chasing the money. I think he's going to be chasing contention. 
for the possibility of a Super Bowl because that's the one thing he uh, he will forever be sitting there saying he he wasn't able to do. Um, but another part of the reason he came to this team was a mixture of the t- the players on this team that are still active. Also, Cam Newton was a big part of his decision, uh, and Ron Rivera was a big part of his decision. And the fact that both of them are gone, or you know, possibly Cam Newton. If Cam Newton is gone, I could see a scenario where there is no chance that Gerald McCoy comes back to this team. Like he just doesn't want to. Yeah, and I think if it doesn't play for the Panthers next year, that'll probably be the key reason. You know, if a, 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 a you know a Ravens or a Chiefs, if they come knocking at his door, yeah, to try and finish his career on a high note, he might go there. But at the same time, I really do think that he's kind of bought into this Panthers culture thing that we have going on here, and I really do think that he enjoys being um, in Carolina on this football team. So, Dude, what I tell you this is we've got to renegotiate K- KK's contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, KK. Way too much. Well, he is getting. He's going to turn thirty-one next year. And he is going to count $20 million versus the cap for the next two years. Dude, what in the heck, dude? That's insane. It is. He's 12 million. He's going to get 12.5 million for his salary. Then his guaranteed money that's split up over the course of his contract is 6.3 million. So that is what? 12.5 and 6.5 is what? 19 and then uh he gets a workout bonus of a roster bonus of a million workout bonus of is this his cap number is twenty million three hundred thirty nine thousand dollars and if you cut him next year you would save two million against the cap but you would have seventeen no, million dollars in dead money and look you can't even cut him in 21 dead money is 11 million dollars cap savings nine. I mean, so maybe at that point, you got to restructure. They've got to restructure. Well, the whole point was this is by this point, they're trying to restructure this contract contract. They probably need to extend him now if he's healthy and get that number down. Yeah, yeah, Brad Dugan in the chat says restructuring KK is a must this offseason. I agree. Real yeah. quick, while we're talking about the um, uh, Brian, not Brian Burns, uh, Don Terry Poe and uh, Vernon Butler. Uh, the way you, I got to kind of look at it is, you know, if we're trying to make a choice between these two, we don't have anything past either one of these. So, like, one of these guys is going to have to work for us. So, who brings more to the table? Even though I think they have the same almost identical stats this year, I think Don Terry Poe brings a lot more to the table uh, for the team. Don Terry Poe or Gerald McCoy? Gerald McCoy. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm saying Don Terry Poe. Because I think Don Terry Poe is another conversation as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's funny. We're talking about Don Tari Poe, Cameron Short, Gerald McCoy, and we were all happy about the, the prospect of those three right. playing next to each other, and now that'll probably never happen. Yeah. It's funny. It's it's disappointing, certainly, because, you know, we uh, even though that our, our pass rush has been mildly successful, I think it looks like we're a lot better than we have been based on the early success in the year, but... I, you know, your question about whether or not we keep one or the other, if there's only an option to keep Gerald or keep Vernon, um, I think you have uh, 
I think what the intangibles are with Gerald McCoy are a lot more beneficial with a young defensive line, which is probably what we're going to have a lot of uh, after this year with Brian Burns and the fact that Bruce Irving is not going to be on the roster next year. Um, you know, KK obviously will be there, but we're still going to need to make some uh, fill some holes with the draft, I think, in our defensive line. So I think having a leader like Gerald McCoy will be key. All right. Um, whereas Vernon Butler, you know, we've talked about it. You know, I think it was something that uh, the guys talked about on Sunday a little too late at this point. Um, mm-hmm. He might be a good depth piece, but, you know, I don't think we're going to sit here and pay him the amount of money he's going to be asking for because he's expecting that his his contract year he's had this year is going to warrant him to be paid, uh, you know, handsomely. And I don't think he's going to get the market that he's anticipating. No. I don't know how any player on this team could – uh, could say that I deserve to be paid handsomely right now. Christian McCaffrey. Uh, yeah, oh, right. Oh, yeah. Shaq Thompson. And then we have to worry about James Bradbury. You know, and then we have Luke coming up yeah. soon. I just think that when you're talking about older players, you know, you kind of have to be realistic about um, – and I mean you. I mean the player himself. You know, you have yeah. to be realistic about what your market value is. And you know, with all these players coming out in the draft, dude, Derek Brown from Auburn is a man amongst boys. And and if we're talking about we're gonna have a maybe a top ten pick, I mean that that's an easy selection for us. There's so much young talent coming out that I mean, really, it it, it almost doesn't make sense to sign a player like Gerald McCoy or Kevin Short to these big, crazy deals when you're going to be able to replace them seemingly every year with how Clemson and Alabama and all these other uh, SEC teams pump out these big, buff defensive linemen. So yeah. if that, that's what I'm saying. I'm hoping that he's reasonable and, and, and knowing that he, he fits a very real role here as a leader in the locker room, but at the same time, he's, you know, he's not – the number nine pick or whatever it was, uh, like it was in 2010. Correct. Makes sense. Tony, you're muted. What's up, Panther family? Josh from Mass. Uh, no, y'all didn't hear from me on Sunday. Honestly, after watching that game, I I didn't have anything to say. I mean, I didn't expect us to win. I didn't expect, expect us to get our damn doors blown off either, though. I didn't expect us to come out in the second half in a game that we managed to keep pretty close uh, by half and just this let it get been, just so so far out of hand. Pretty close. Um, yeah. It was it was real disappointing, and I feel like even though Ron Rivera is gone, maybe some of uh, his culture is lingering, and that's. You know why why things are the way they are right now. Um, I think really what Tepper's doing is instead of obviously you really can't can everybody during the season, but it's also a chance to let some of these guys get a little audition tape together for uh, you know wherever they're hoping to go next. Because um, God knows, God knows, I don't I don't see grounds for keeping anybody really at this point. Um, but some big things that I wanted to. Uh, to really touch on that I've been thinking about even before the game and, and into today. Um, <clears throat> if anybody's wondering, yeah, we're going to be full rebuild. It's the reality. 
my opinion, Cam plays here next year unless we get a big trade for him. And then if the season falls apart, trade up in the draft, get Lawrence or whoever your new coach really has a hard on for. If Cam goes, then I think Greer gets the start next year. And in my opinion, the real tank show begins. Uh, and anybody with a substantial contract is trade fodder or risk of trade fodder. Um, and then I, as far as my thoughts on Cam, there was a, a report con- contradicting the other report. Well, not contradicting the report, but kind of his side saying he doesn't want to leave. He wants to stay in Charlotte and, and cement his uh, legacy with the Panthers, and I'd, I'd like to see that. Um, you know, so I don't know what to say on that. I, I, I'd i like to see him stay, but you never know. Uh, Dante Jackson, the young man needs to just shut the hell up. Put in the work, put your head down, get good, and do your job. Uh, it ain't that complicated, you know. From somebody else who played football, not a, prof- as a professional, but I played. Uh, and Allen, 12 fumbles on the season, 18 turnovers. Take that mug out the oven because he's done. Love the show, boys. Keep pounding. Stand strong, Panther Nation. Stand strong. Keep pounding, Josh. Tony, you still have no volume for me, man. I don't know how it is on the video. Let me check. No, I still can't hear you. No, can't hear you. Now you can. Now we can. Yeah, Yeah. Now we hear you. There's that country voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nice call from Josh from Mass. He's going to say trade him to Buffalo and his computer and all of that mess. Uh, The live stuff's hard, dude. Live stuff, (laughs) if one thing goes wrong, like the voice meter crashed because I was trying to unhook my headphones and charge them for a second, and it crashed. And then... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I thought you were done. Uh, so, um, Josh from Mass there. I do think um, when it comes to... Ugh, it's kind of hard to get into the drudgery of rebuild. Hate that tank word. I don't want that stink on my team. Next so, Chef Jeff Hodges Hello. is in the chat, and um, he thinks that we're not in, in full rebuild. And Josh, from Mass, and Josh from Mass thinks that we are in full rebuild. Um, I don't know. So how about just real quick? Let's go around. Are we in full rebuild mode or no? No. CK. What's the name of that decision? You were kind of breaking up on on that one. I said, if, if 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 we keep Cam, then I think we're not in rebuild mode. If we don't keep Cam, I think we're full blown. We rebuild at that. Point. I'd like to change my answer to that answer. Yeah, uh, that's that's the answer. It really is yeah. the answer. Yeah, um, I, it makes sense to me, man. The, but that does bring up a question. Somebody posted in the uh, chat. Uh, I've got to go back and see that somebody uh, Panthers Culture has created a a GoFundMe page for a billboard for uh, Keep Cam in, in Carolina for 2020. You know that whole uh, hashtag that went viral there for a while or went was trending. Um. And it's eight thousand dollars that we need to come up with for that. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, mean, man, I love I, it. I'll pitch in. Yeah, as a I as mean, a as a sign you, of solidarity, man, to show 
to show Cam Newton that there are fans that know what he's been through and and what he has put his body through for the team, and we know what kind of player he is. Yeah, man, of course. I mean, what, I, I it, when you go be, when when you use a GoFundMe, if they don't reach their goal, do they give you your money back? What happens know. to like if we I get mean, two thousand dollars raised? What the hell happens to two thousand dollars? I think yeah, whoever's in the, charge of the GoFundMe takes yeah. care of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever whoever has it, you know, keeps it. I mean, it's it's not like redistributed back to the people, you know, because it didn't hit that goal. Now, I well, you ain't wrong, gonna, there. Ain't gonna be no. You know, I tell you this though, it will. It does work. Um, at East Carolina University, we had this uh, athletic director that was awful. He was terrible. He ruined our football pro. He ruined everything about the school's athletic program. Anything that was good, he ruined. Some people hired one of those planes. That's what we should do. Is we should, instead of doing a billboard, we should hire one of those planes that flies over with the sign. And they need to fly over during the game. That's one like one flyover. A billboard would be like for an entire month. Well, and you know the thing is too. I think we're kind of looking at this. Do you know how way. embarrassing it is to have a plane hired to fly over your stadium with a message that's not glowing? That's what they did <laughs> at ECU. You they hired a plane that said "Fire Comfort," <laughs> and it would fly over the stadium. And they fired his ass of, like after two weeks of that mess. No, but guys, do you remember uh, before Mike Sula was fired on the Panthers subreddit, there was a GoFundMe to get a sky, uh, uh, a guy to fly a plane over the stadium that had a banner that said "Fire Mike Sula." And I said no because I don't. How about I'll contribute that. to both campaigns? I will contribute I... all of the show's money from tonight to both the campaigns. Well, my, my only question is with it. Is, is, isn't it kind of going backwards? Because while you can pay $8,000 for a billboard that the people who drive by it that day are going to see, couldn't you be more effective through, like, social media? Well, I think well, it, sends a tried visible, it, it sends a visible statement. Because if you're on... Like, let's be real. If you're on Twitter, like, we think that that's everyone. Dude, that's just... You're in a bubble of, yeah, of, oh, of yeah. people yep, you're right. that, you're so right. that use Twitter. So when you put a billboard out there, it shows like it it shows visually to the community that there is an effort to to keep Cam Newton as a Carolina Panther. So um, yeah, I think there's a there's merits to online and and doing something tangible like that. I can't find the GoFundMe. I'm I'm googling it it's right a, now. I'll send it to you right now. I got it. Okay, yeah. so the other thing is this: is I listen. I just got I'll done listening to DM. I retweeted it. It's on my Twitter. It's on my. It's on my tweets. Oh, well, and I fo- and I'm a, I'm one of your followers too, so I'll be able to follow it, find it. Um, I've been listening to this podcast, Doctor Death. Just sent it, dude. Don't. Oh, yep. I'm retweeting it right now. You can get a retweet at least. I got some money. How much does he raise? Let's see how much he's raised right now. He's got 185 bucks. I'm donating. I told you I'm <laughs> donating the show's proceeds tonight. John Barrera donated 150. All right. So there's $185 in one dude. I wish they would let you that's take in the, PayPal. That's in the last Why do they not? Let, 
everybody should take PayPal. Why the hell do they have to use my credit card? I want to use PayPal. That's why I don't like GoFundMe already. But uh, <laughs> I've been listening to this podcast. Has anybody listened to it, Dr. Death? No. What's it about? Oh, gosh. It's about this surgeon who had uh, – he's a spinal surgeon in Texas, or he was – and he had something like 38 total independent surgeries and 33 of them had resulted in catastrophic injury or death two deaths two people one person was made quadriplegic after it one person paraplegic after like so he severed their spinal cord like he just a night and these two doctors went on this campaign because at first they thought he was a fraud like somehow he's like an imposter doctor anyway it was all of this and it's like it's crazy you don't it's scary thinking about doctors not knowing what the hell they're doing and then being like sorry there were complications i just don't know what is c4 and c5 that was the complication when he drilled a hole through somebody's windpipe one time dude like i mean the size of a ping pong ball like i mean it was just like at the, they gracious they prosecuted him. He is the first surgeon who has ever been legal, criminally prosecuted for what he did. And wow. uh, anyway, the whole the reason I bring it up is because there was this one hospital, one of the first hospitals he was botching all these surgeries at. They were scared to fire him because they were worried he was going to sue them for loss of wages for firing him without real cause. So anyway, this hospital has been real shady, I thought, through the whole process. And Wonderly, who is the podcast company that does this show, when they put the podcast out, they put a billboard for the podcast across the street from that hospital. So it was like, Dr. Death. And then when you listen to it, it's like, this hospital sucks. (laughs) Don't go there. And they took the billboard down. Like the co- it was so I don't know, man. You put up the we save Cam. What happens is this: is you put up the keep Cam in in Carolina, and somehow Tepper pays billions of dollars to get it down, and it's Billboard Gate. Billboard <laughs> I think that would spread uh, a lot quicker. <laughs> as far as, wait, hey, we just paid for this, you know, and we uh, GoFundMe, and now it's gone all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. Oh, you know what? That's what they said with the podcast. Is that by them taking down the Doctor Death podcast, it got more, it garnered more attention than the actual Billboard did, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Good yeah, point. All right. all right, next call. Hello, C three. Man, call D. What's going on, Tony, Cody, and and, um, the two newcomers to the panel? (laughs) And you other dudes. How's y'all doing tonight? We good, brother. We good. Okay. Let me start off with this. Sunday just proved to us that it wasn't just Ron, which we know, and I know, me and Cody, definitely, we was on top of the Ron situation from the get-go about getting rid of him. Um, it wasn't just Ron. Ron rubbed off on the coaching staff. And we also learned Sunday that Scott Turner, I think, is that his name, Scott Turner? 
That's Scott Turner is not the answer as an offense coordinator thus far. From what I see Sunday, just like his daddy, he starts off great, and after that, it's no kind of adjustments made. Wow. I at least thought Scott would, well, okay, I ain't going to say I thought. I was hoping that Scott would would turn into, you know, sort of like what Cal Shanahan did for his dad, when his dad, the game passed his dad by, but look what Cal has been able to do. Well, it looks like um, Scott is not in that category with Cal yet. So, yeah. Our defense, that great defense that the fans were so praising before the season and then after those couple of games we were playing them sorry teams that didn't have a good offensive line and they were getting all these sacks. Uh, Like I said, defense sucks, still sucks, like you've been sucking all year, giving up big plays. Um, Can somebody tell me, Dante Jackson, dude, what the hell happened to Dante? Last year, his rookie season were promising. One that one game this year is is look promising. Then after that, it was just like he just fell off the map. Can somebody, hey Tony, do me a favor? I need you to call the cops and put out an APB, a, <laughs> a APB for Dante Jackson. I tell you, he ain't missing. That's the problem. We can't Because he definitely is missing in action. He ain't no action Jackson no more. That's for sure. Is that after that game, after that play, he looked like a fool in that play. He looked, you know, he just looked foolish. And I think he was embarrassed. And I think that's part of the reason he was like that after the game. Um, but here is that I, I think, and I'm going to disagree with Carl, I don't think we should be able to draw any conclusions about Scott Turner just yet. Is that he's really playing with a half full deck, so it's not like he's going to be able to come in and coach like, you know, a team that Let's really say had. What a- it is, man, he's playing with Kyle Allen. It, it's it, it's more of a problem now than it's ever been. I think. Yeah. He got that, Ian Thomas they- involved in the game a lot. He also. Right. He also did see a lot of movement with Curtis Samuel. They got the ball to Curtis Samuel a little bit more, at least tried to. So I don't think it was all bad. This is why in recent weeks I dialed back the criticism on North Turner by a lot. I mean, you guys remember when I was basically shitting on North Turner almost every other other week. I I, I, I refrained from doing that to him. I, I just think Kyle Allen was missing so many throws and just refusing to yeah. go through his reads and hitting wide open receivers, that it's not going to be fair for me. I don't to think he's refusing. Him. I don't think he can go through his reads. I, I just don't think I, he can. I cannot and will not put any criticism on Scott and North Turner for this season when Kyle Allen is continuing to show his level of ineptitude. And and that's nothing personal against Kyle Allen. That's just the truth, man. That game That game against Atlanta – was was more apparent it was even more apparent than the Redskins game. Because at least in the first quarter, Kyle Allen did some things well against Washington. That whole game against Atlanta was just a dumpster fire in my opinion. So yeah, yeah not not a lot to like. Cannot yeah. judge Scott yet. 
and I think you could tell that you were obviously trying to make it less about Norv. I, I, I think reality of the situation is last year we saw what Cam could have been under Norv. You know, I'm yeah. not sitting here saying Norv was the answer, but I also said, you know, and and I'm not ready to jump on the Scott Turner as a, as a bust train yet. We, you know, how quickly we forget that. Kyle Shanahan was an offensive coordinator in in the in Washington know, Texans offense. And then oh, okay. the I didn't even remember offense. that. Yeah, yeah, he left. He left Houston to join his dad over in Washington. And after a really bad start, it was obviously this whole thing about nepotism and everything. But and then he went over to the Browns, um, and he resigned after they were basically mandating that he started uh, uh, Johnny Menzel. And, uh, but I mean, it was he, he, he up until his tenure with a high powered offense with Julio Jones and and Matt Ryan, you didn't really see what he, he was capable of as a coach. And once yeah. you actually got him the talent, you got somebody who could actually execute what he envisioned with his offense. You saw him take off and all of a sudden he hasn't been able to stop. He's just been successful on every level. Um, and, and now he's starting to really show what even a few years of development in, in the 49ers offense, which he's got a, you know, a lot of really nice pieces that allow him to execute the game plan he wants. I think you give that same courtesy to Scott Turner. I think you might have an opportunity to see somebody who's able to uh, ensure that our quarterbacks can succeed uh, specifically. Hopefully I do. I do want to address two comments in the chat room. One is, uh, Joey Esquivel says, looks like he's trying to be Distraction Jackson. I like that a lot, yeah. Distraction Jackson. <laughs> uh, missing an Axon Jackson is another one from Trill One. That's very good. And Josh from Mass with his go-to line, trade Jackson to Buffalo. I do want to address that comment, though, because I think it would be a mistake to to give up on Dante Jackson. Because of yeah, his behavior and this bad play. I think this is that talent is something he's got talent is that it's about maturity being in a group of guys too, where he sees what they're doing. I, I think that this is that we don't have the luxury of trading away talented players right now. And we get worse without Dante Jackson, even though he's been. So I think the answer is to bench him for a game or maybe not start him. Do something, but other than that, I don't think I think he's cheap right now. He's also still on his rookie contract. Let's go to the next call. I think it's Carl D again. Okay, I'm back. It's Carl D again. Sorry about that. But yeah, Dante definitely missed. Um, Cody, I know you What's already up? know the good news about Cam. Recovery is looking good. Um I've heard on another podcast on another podcast yesterday that I that I be on sometime from time to time. Um, You're cheating on us, Carl. I know. It's, you see how he kind of didn't want to say it. I mean, like. me and you <laughs> talked, Cody, earlier about Cam Newton with the percentage. With You you said it was 50%. Um, And I keep hearing the, what, the news keeps saying Carolina's going to trade Cam, Carolina's going to trade Cam. But we have no confirmation from any sign or anything from any – Panther insiders about that. So, what you guys think? You think it's time to get ready to move on from Cam? I personally don't. I mean, you know, um, quarterbacks in the draft. Um, if we do, 
I want Jalen Hurts. Yes. He seems to be he's improved a lot from his days at Alabama or Oklahoma. Um I think he'll be a good place. Why do you think Justin that is? Fields, uh, Lincoln Riley. I don't know, Tone. That I don't know, Cody. I don't I don't know about him. He's not He's is this okay, the Ohio State guy? Wow, yeah, he, you know. And of course, we know Joe Burrow is going to be gone, so that's out of the picture. Uh, the Herbert guy, uh, I'm still not impressed by him as well. And so, other than that, Cody, I mean, you, you like me, we we scout these players. What what other quarterback name that hits? That 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 hits your that come to mind that you think we can possibly get Cody because I don't I mean out of the other ones that's coming out I just, I still haven't seen any that I would be ooh man we need to get that guy in the first round if we to be the next heir apparent to Cam so it's, let me know it's hurts Cody it's hurts a first rounder Cody and until oh. next time keep pounding unless I. Appreciate it, Carly. I um, think so, but Cody's more of an expert about this stuff. Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, uh, the the player comparison that I currently have for him is Dak Prescott. It, he's he's good everywhere, but there isn't a trait that he has that's a plus level talent, and that's fine, man. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are like that. It, he's not uh, getting my engine going. He's not uh, making me feel all hot and bothered like Cam Newton does to Tony Dunn. But um, yeah, he's yeah, not I, like that. Well, I mean, it, uh, as of right now, and again, this is kind of early, but I think that when you draft a quarterback, you really are drafting a lot of traits. You you draft their decision making ability, but you also do look at the quarterback that you feel you can mold into a, a dominant quarterback for your for your team. Right now, the two players that. I would consider if I was the general manager for the Carolina Panthers, it's really only two of them. And considering we're not going to be in range for Joe Burrow, uh, that's Justin Herbert, uh, 6'6", 230 pounds, is built like Cam Newton, is mobile. Uh, I don't necessarily love his decision-making, but the dude has a cannon for an arm uh, down the field. He's really good on, on deep throws. Um, I, I, I like his ability to run the offense. Um, and then other than that, to attack a Viloa, the injury concerns are very real. But you're talking about a player who, in my opinion, I compare to a Drew Brees, except for a little more mobile. He can move around. He can extend plays a little bit. But this is a guy that is aware of coverages. He throws a beautiful football. And, and he really is a, a special thrower of the football. I think uh, they're both going to need work before they're ready to start playing NFL football. That's true of most rookie quarterbacks. But um, if you put the right talent and the right pieces around the Justin Herbert, I have no doubt in my mind that dude will be a very successful quarterback. He's like a 4.0 GPA type of guy. I mean, he's the definition of what you would want in a quarterback. But – you have to put time and effort into building around the player, unlike what the Panthers did with Cam Newton. Well, Cody, what you were saying there makes a ton of sense. The only question I have about it is you're talking about molding a quarterback to fit your franchise. 
wouldn't it be been, wouldn't it be better to mold your franchise around the quarterback? Well, yeah, but that's what you want to do. But I think the difference is uh, what kind of money are you paying? So it's easier to do it on a rookie quarterback because you're not paying them a ton of money. You can spend more money in free agency. You can put some pieces on the offensive line, the defensive line. You can build around them before you have to start paying that $200 million contract that quarterbacks are going for now. So there there really is a window when they're on that rookie contract that you have to hit. Brad Dugan says, too, it kind of reminds him of Russell Wilson. He sounds just like him. If you I think that's to a good comparison. I think that's a great comparison. Yeah, He's not as much of a runner as Russell Wilson is. That's why I said I say more right, right. because he's not as mobile. And with the injury concerns, you don't want to run to attack a Tagovailoa. Um, but with that said, just as a pure passer, I mean, he's, he's up there with Joe Burrow. I want people to understand the only reason to attack a Tagovailoa is, is going to fall down boards is not because he's not an incredible quarterback. It's because of the injuries. Yeah, I mean, and the question is, are they really that bad? I don't know. Uh, I've never heard of someone breaking their hip. like. But they say, but for me is that, I mean, didn't he have, it was one ankle, then the other ankle. I mean, anybody can get an ankle injury in the NFL. But ankle injuries linger. For I mean, a long, yeah. long time. He showed up well, he's got some time stage. off with his hip injury. Yeah, yeah. last to year he showed it. up in the to, to the Heisman ceremony in a boot. So um, yeah, he's he's been hurt, but I think right now he's just trying to be healthy. To does he even um, go in the draft this year? He said yeah. so, and I'm looking it up. Basically, the uh, oh, he had a press conference, didn't he? Yeah, yeah about five he, did, he didn't he said, say anything, though. He didn't. He basically said he's letting the scouts guide his decision. He feels like the scouts are, uh, uh, you know, leading him to believe that uh, they that there's faith in what he can do, and that they, you know, that he doesn't need another prove it year at Alabama. Then I think he makes the decision to declare. But um, you know, if, if I could see a situation where if he falls, if he if his prospect. <sighs> falls below the first round i could see him trying to come back from alabama and and and, and prove that but once he signs yeah once he signs with agent he can't do nothing I I, I, if i if if this is up to me i would advise to uh just declare for the draft man you don't make your money on your first yeah. quarterback contract anyway he's not going to prove it, anything more now right alabama it's the year. and by the way so listen deshaun watson who in 2017 I felt was clearly the best quarterback in the draft, judging from what they did on the college football field. It benefited Deshaun to fall a little bit to the 12th pick because you're not going to the worst teams. You're going to a team that does have some talent. Look at Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was the 32nd pick of the first round. I mean, that was a good Ravens football team that just added a dynamic quarterback uh, and they're paying almost no money for him. So for five years instead of four. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So I, I would tell Tua. Mahomes is also, another one. Yeah, Mahomes. And the last thing about Tua next year, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are coming out in the draft. Yeah. So exactly. there's no guarantee that you're even going to be the number one pick, even if you do stay healthy. All right. 
Um, Brad Dugan says Tua kind of. Oh wait, I said uh, Tua has a great attitude like Russell Wilson, and he loves Jesus like Tim Tebow. Next and call. like Russell Wilson. <laughs> and like Russell Wilson. Next call. What's up, guys? Jeff Hodge here. Jeff, Jeff. And uh, this thing I'm going to talk about, I was uh, talking about it in the chat after Sunday's game and said I was going to save it for today. But uh, and this may not be a popular opinion. I, I, I like Shaq Thompson, and he should definitely be our linebacker. But... Uh, it seems like Marty Herney's doing more that uh, we're going to sign you to a big, huge contract that you don't really deserve just to keep you around. I mean, that, that's a lot of money. He's like, there's only like two other linebackers making more than him, or maybe even just one, something like that. And and uh, and he's not the third, or he's not a top five linebacker. I mean, he's a good, you know, top fifteen, top ten linebacker. He's a little uh, squirrely when it comes to the run. Uh, I think that may have more to do with our terrible defensive line because Luke also looks bad, and I don't see both of them just falling off randomly. Uh, I think it's a new system. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we go back to a four-three next year. Uh, but yeah, I just I, I don't like that contract. Um, I think it's too much. It's too much guaranteed. I understand that you know that contract will look better after the new CBA, but that sticker price right now is a lot, and the fact that you have to pay back Bradbury too. So you're talking about two guys who are going to take up like 15% of the uh, salary cap next year. But, you know, maybe Marty Herney knows what he's doing. I don't know. Sounds like uh, he is getting his role downsized for sure. Um, I think the the little statement about Cam Newton, you know, we're open to trading Cam Newton, I kind of seen that coming. Um, it doesn't change my, notion, my, my uh, thinking that, you know, Cam Newton is probably still going to be our quarterback next year and play out the last year of his contract and do amazing things. I feel like Tepper's putting that out there just as the salesman and businessman that he is. You know, the team's willing to give up like two first rounds and two second rounds or three first rounds or whatever, you know, some crazy number, which could happen. It probably won't because, first of all, you can't trade a player who's not able to pass a physical. He probably won't be able to pass a physical until, I don't know, maybe the summertime or Maybe a little bit earlier, but probably the summertime. I just I don't see it happening. Uh, you can't trade a you can't trade a hurt Cam Newton, and it's it looks like you unless he doesn't want to be here, which may also be the case. That's really the other half of me thinks that maybe he doesn't want to play here anymore. But now that Ron's gone, maybe that's different. Who knows? I just I don't want to see him move on somewhere else because I know he will be around for at least seven or eight more years doing great things that's all i got to say tonight guys um uh, oh one more thing the team looked atrocious sunday oh my god they definitely looked like a team without a leader um look here here's him coming back for part two what's up c3 jeff hodge again wasn't paying attention to my clock got cut off but basically just to finish the thought uh, um the team looked, they definitely looked like they missed the leader, and uh, that leader was Ron Rivera. I mean, I do, I do think it was the right move to move on from him. Wish it would have been last year or the last offseason. But, uh, they definitely looked lost, lethargic, and just not ready to play. Um, part of me thought that they would do the most Panther thing ever and like win out the last four games to get a shitty draft pick and, you know, win those four games for nothing. But, 
hopefully we won't do that. Let's 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 shoot for a top five draft pick. We got to shoot for that. We got to get that. Um, I do like Perry awesome. Fuel. Uh, I think uh, I think the Dante Jackson thing had Ron Rivera been there. First of all, that wouldn't have fucking happened. Uh, he would have been cut the next day if he would have done some shit like that. And I think he knows better, no, and that that's just that's bad on him. Um, he he's looking worse and worse every game, and to have the audacity to call out the new coaching staff like that that that's not that's not right. That's something you keep in house. You pull your secondary coach or your head coach or whoever to the side, and you say something about it. You don't say it to the media. So to Dante Jackson, ice up, son, ice up. And that's really all I got to say, guys. I'll be listening. Keep pounding. Hey. How do we feel about? Go ahead, Greg. Okay, I'll just say real quick. I want to touch on what he was talking about with Shaq Thompson. I'm sitting here looking at the numbers right now, and Shaq Thompson's the 14th, uh, is 14th in the NFL in tackles, uh, and he's only 11 tackles behind Luke Keekley, who's seventh. So the difference between 14th and the number one is only about 25 tackles. So he really is up there with as far as tackles go, with the top echelon in the NFL. Uh, he's got three more sacks than Luke Keekley does. Luke Keekley has zero, and he has three. And the most interesting fact about it, the guy who's directly behind him in tackles in the NFL, Thomas Davis. Huh. <laughs> so, interesting tidbit. Yeah, Thomas Davis has, uh, let's see, has 102 tackles, and Shaq Thompson has 103. All right, so Shaq Thompson is classified as a 4-3 outside linebacker. All right? And um, right now, the compare the the comps to him are Anthony Barr, Quan Alexander, Christian Kirksey, Anthony Hitchens from the Chiefs, Dante Hightower. Yeah, all of those guys. All of those guys are ma- look. Anthony Barr and Quan Alexander are making thirteen million a year, uh, fifty four million dollars for Quan Alexander. They paid him. You know what they paid him is they paid him free agent fair market value. Yeah. Exactly right. I think that people are a little over worried about the amount of this contract. They're still waiting to see how the numbers pan out and how that third fourth year of the contract looks. Is this really a three year contract? But you're probably paying him around ten million dollars a year. And I think the what the one reason I'm not upset with the Shaq Thompson signing is this is that if you don't sign Shaq Thompson, you got to draft whoever Cody said from Clemson earlier. You have to, like, you just can't. We don't have anybody other than those two guys. Mm -hmm. You know, we only have Luke Keekley. If any one of them gets hurt, we are fucked. Well, and it goes back on another criticism of Marty Herney. What, What happened to the other two guys? Uh, we drafted from Maryland and from UNC. And apparently Luke Kingsley gave him a bunch of praise, but I haven't really noticed. I don't even remember their names. That There's no re- – is Jermaine, a, Jermaine yeah, something? Jer- Jermaine something? Uh, dude, I can't even remember. Yeah, but they were like fifth-rounders, and there's just no room yeah, for so them right fun, now. Man, like, you know, I actually – you know who the guy is that – you know who the guy that actually irritates me more than them is the Haynes dude. Yeah, Marcus Haynes. Yeah, that's one of them. That that was one of the like. Why is he? He's gotten less oh, playing no. time than Christian Miller. 
Well, but again, it goes back to this. Do we even know that the coaches know what kind of talent they have? Is it because they're floundering or they're not being coached up? Like at a certain point, we have to identify the trend. There are too many players on our team that we're just like, oh, well, what? Do they just suck? They never get playing time. Like, I think we've already answered this question for ourselves. Um, but, I, yeah, listen, uh, I'm not mad at the Shaq Thompson contract. Uh, I almost see it as a, a necessity, even though you didn't want to pay that kind of money. Dude, I'm telling you, we have holes everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. we, we had to make it so that way we didn't have to go out and reach for every position in free agency and every position in the draft because we have a glaring hole at just about every position. We, we could not and afford he, to And he's Shaq. been a good soldier. He's been a good yeah. soldier. And, you know, like and top 15 to, to, his, to his credit, and I've been consistent on this, I maintain that as a linebacker, your ability to play fast to the football depends on your defensive tackles. And it's just not happening on our defensive line this year. And because of it, everyone looks at Lewis Kickley and Shaq Thompson and, and says they're they're playing bad. And they're not playing good, but there's a lot more that goes into it than just those two are playing bad football. Right, right. Well, you know what's funny is I'm sitting here once again looking at the stats, and with how bad Carolina's defense is this year, we're the only team that has three players in the top 15 as far as tackles go. Eric Reed, Luke Keekley, and uh, Shaq Thompson are all in the Which top means 15. all mugs are getting past the line. But that that also means that we're not uh, we're we're not keep keeping the defense off the field. Yeah, that means there's a lot of yeah, plays. The, on, the amount of offensive plays being run against yep. us are astronomical. Very true. All right, let's go to the next goal. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is your boy Brandon Herbert. Hey, Brandon, what's up, uh, brother Herbert? I thought I would just take it a little bit different tonight. Um, <laughs> James Bradbury's awesome. About it and everything. I do want to <laughs> wish. Because saying to Ron Rivera, um, I do, even though I don't agree with a lot of the stuff you did or your coaching methods and everything, I do want to thank you for at least, you know, taking us through that Super Bowl, doing some of the great things he does. Because when I see his press conference and I see how many people, usually when coaches get fired, you never hear uh, people come out like this, the way that they did. He is a... Just from what I've been told, and just where you can tell, even from his press press conference, he is a stand up guy, uh, and he is a really good person. So uh, it's it is you know, I just think that you've been here for nine years. He's been here for nine years. Um, he's probably gonna get another head coaching job. It's just time to move on and to try yeah, something well. different, because uh, we already know about the same old ways and everything that he's. He's got stuck in after a while and everything. But I do want to just say thank you so much for at least giving the Panthers something good, uh, good you know, uh, in the last decade. Yeah, so, we've been relevant. Uh, yeah. I do want to say that. Brother Herbert's uh, a good dude. Hopefully now. Uh, I don't know, Cody, how you think the play call was. I think that uh, even though it's just one week, we can start seeing a lot. We're going to start seeing a little bit more creativity because you got to think of this too. Scott Turner has never done this before. He's never been an offensive coordinator before. Uh, he's never called plays before. So this is new, something new to him. So this is an audition for something that potentially he probably won't be with Carolina, Carolina after this, but 
She's you're so right a young here. Officer coordinator, or so right. trying to be potential officer coordinator. So this is his audition uh, for a lot of things. Uh, so we'll see uh, how how it goes for him. So you know he's going to be trying his hardest to make the best game plan and everything for his team. So uh, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see this. Now our defense, our defense is going to just suck. <laughs> uh, the rest of the year, and I think Luke Keekley, people are talking about Luke Keekley and everything. Uh, he hasn't played bad, but he's made more mistakes than he usually makes. Yeah, that's uh, been my point. And I still think he's he's playing like one of the top few linebackers in the league at times, and it flashes. But other times, it's like he usually would read that. But I think mm-hmm. it's because, like Cody was saying, it's not necessarily on him if he has linemen. All right, yeah, look, he's got more to the call. Here it is. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, but the point of uh, – uh, and I, this is why I think – I'm not saying that he couldn't play 3-4 uh, uh, inside linebacker because he's very intelligent. But if you look at it, uh, the point of having that nose tackle is to shield off two guys to hold the point of attack and yeah. allow your linebackers to run freely. Like 90% of the time, you see linemen, not receivers or right. tight ends or anything, block. you see linemen uh, that gets to the second level very quickly. And Same it's problem extremely we had in hard for a linebacker to, last year maybe, to, to not let them get walloped in or whatever. Um, so if you look at the, off- the defensive line, they're not doing their job. I'm not saying Luke has been perfect. He's missed a couple of tackles and everything, but just go back and look. These the defensive line is not doing their job to allow the linebackers to run freely, and that is the biggest reason why the run defense is as bad as it is. It's not Luke not being able to diagnose all the way and all this kind of stuff. Yes, he's made some bad plays or reads and everything, but he's got a def- uh, offensive lineman blocking him when that's never supposed to be the case. Uh, but yeah, so I still have faith in Luke. I think he's still a top two linebacker, and if we do go back to four three, it might fit him a little better. Better, but I think he can play both. That's just my opinion. Um, uh, you know, Kyle, he's a bum, so we need we need, we really should go to Will Greer and at least test it out because it makes no sense if we if we know that we're we're thinking about trading camp. Before we go out and try to get a quarterback or anything like that, why would you not test out your third round pick? That is ignorant. Thank you. Thank uh, you. So yeah, so I get that and everything. Uh, it's I'm irresponsible. To me, if you want a bridge quarterback, mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater is literally the best. And if he, Teddy Bridgewater, if he can show potential to be a starter, people don't realize he's only 26 years old. Uh, so he's still a he he got in young. That can't be so right. So he's still a very young quarterback, Is that right? And he and he could pe- potentially be somebody's starter or franchise quarterback. Who knows? He showed a Is lot of potential. He might not have Teddy a deep, deep ball, but he's very accurate. Twenty-seven. He's twenty-seven. So yeah, but that's the same thing. What you, got, you guys think? Uh, as always, love the show. Keep pounding. Well, I got to say, we love your call, man. Your call was fantastic. Brother Herbert, I told you in the, earlier in the first call, you're a good dude. I like how you gave your props to Ron Rivera, but at the same time, you made a fair point. 
time for a change in this and that a little more tempered that was a little more even kill uh brandon herbert than we're used to you know usually he's coming at you coming at you hard a little bit and so i think uh he brought a great great point on will greer that's irresponsible to not see what you got and uh any other thoughts on the call because he made so many good points trying to think of oh oh, back to luke i think it's, it's just a little bit of both isn't it cody and so there's a little bit of you saying like it's pro- it's this the whole problem is not is part of it's not him, and he hasn't been his best at the yeah, same both time. Of, both of those things, which I think that that's been the theme of tonight's show, that two opposing ideas can both be true at the same time. Dante Jackson should not have said what he said, but he also it probably was the play calling that fucked him over. Same thing with Shaq Thompson. Is he maybe worth all that money? No, but do we need him? Yes. And it's the same thing. It, it, that's kind of the, the, the same rhythm that, that we're I picking don't, up on. Here. I don't think, I think for me, what has bothered me with Luke is not even like him guessing wrong sometimes. I don't feel like he looks as confident in his demon, like demonstrativeness yeah, on the field. Like it just looks like he is less certain of what's going on. When in the past he was Could like, you blame him? well, no, no, you can't. But I mean, I just, I mean, I thought that it's almost like this is that the X's and O's have never been a problem for him. We're not, we're and not now it almost Luke yeah. not knowing where the play is going. Yeah, or not or, or not not being one step ahead, not being the, yeah. the commander general, knowing where exactly. The play is going. That's yeah, been 100%. my point, and, and it's a legit criticism. Uh, again, I just think that you it's can't. not even a criticism as much as just an observation. Well, I mean, it's an observation and it's a criticism, but it's a criticism on our entire defense. I mean, can you pick out one? So we all agree Christian McCaffrey is a baller and a bad mofo. But, I mean, can we really pick out any player on our team that has been head and shoulders better? Uh, I mean, no, no, he's the only one, one. and it's not even DJ. DJ's had a good little run, but he's been second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's as close as you get. He's as close as you get. That is DJ is the first read on the play, and Kyle. Yes, yes, he benefits. He benefits from Kyle Allen. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. Next call. Hey guys, Josh from Mass again. Three more after this. Y'all by the got way. my uh, level-headed, down-to-earth call earlier, and uh, oh so gosh, what are we about to get? This call is not, you know, like dramatic. everybody's traded to Buffalo. <laughs> A little more field here. Anybody else remember the promise that this season felt like it? It had, you know, oh gosh, yeah, names we picked up, you know. Uh, Bruce Irvin. Were we too you know, optimistic? To agree to a we were. Yeah. Deal. Mm, I still don't think so. Nope. We drafted not one but two left tackles. We got a new center. <laughs> Healthy Greg Olson. Healthy <laughs> Cam Newton. <laughs> Gerald McCoy. You know? Hoping that Dante would start showing up and showing out in his sophomore season. 
hoping to see Mr. James Bradbury become the corner we all hoped he would always be. And man, ain't none of that shit happened. God damn. <laughs> I swear. You know what's like, so funny? I, I get why Tepper's mad. I get why he's done just firing people. He's done. He's tired. I'm done. I'm tired, man. It's 25 goddamn motherfucking years. Come on, man. <laughs> Shit. I feel like the last two seasons have felt like 25 years. Wherever the guy's poking his team's logo with a stick. Come on, do something. <laughs> Feels like that's yeah. been us with the Panthers for... Since we got that Super Bowl hangover. Everybody's so sad. Sit on the couch, Josh. On the couch. Sit on the couch and tell us. It feels real damn empty. Here, hold on. I'll pause it. I'll pause it, CK. All right. What do you got, CK? Like, season started out with such promise. And it seems, it's kind of weird when you think about it, right? Every season that starts out with promise never goes anywhere. Never goes well. 2015 season. Yeah, we and didn't think shit was going to happen. Let's No, let's talk about 2015. Like, when that season started, we lost Kelvin Benjamin at the beginning yeah. of it. We had nobody else as far as an offense is concerned. We Michael had, uh, Orr you know, comes in at left tackle. And we didn't, I mean, he, he, it was an interesting story because we've all seen the blind side and we were really interested in this take. Yeah, but he was but, supposedly terrible um, at that point yeah. from Tennessee. Remember, he left... In, in, and so somehow, even though we tried a bunch of different looks there, you know, we finally found an offensive line that was able to hold up for the, you know, pretty much the entirety of the season. You know, we signed some veterans that, you know, were able to kind of fill in gaps. And all of a sudden, this season that started out with very little hope whatsoever. It, you know, I don't think Panthers fans even that season had hope until after that fifth win. Uh, because before that, there's going to be the argument of who you, who'd you beat, you know, all the way up into that point. And I, I think even beyond that, but I think we started to feel the magic after that fifth win. It was the same thing. Like, it's complete opposite. We didn't have any hope. We didn't have any faith that the team was going to do anything. And all of a sudden, they pulled, you know, came out of nowhere. Same thing with 2017. There was nothing that indicated that 2017 was going to be a successful year. You know, we, we didn't have necessarily an offensive line that was going to do much. We had. Uh, a Matt Khalil, you know, hanging out back there. We had an injured Greg Olson from, you know, multiple foot injuries. Uh, you know, Luke, we were still having questions about whether Luke was going to be anything because of his concussions. We thought he was going to have an early retirement mm-hmm. because he had two or three in a row. You know, there was so many things. And then all of a sudden we have another, you know, very positive year that ended us going to the, uh, you know, uh, playoffs. Um, you know, the, it, next year, just everybody keep your expectations low. Maybe that'll help. But see, uh, listen, uh, I'm too egotistical to for for me to to think that I was wrong about this damn football team. You know, I was wrong ago. once, Cody. Yeah, Cody, I was yeah. wrong once for thinking oh, I was wrong. Yeah, exactly. But listen, man. Okay, so this is kind of this is where I'm at. Here's a metaphor. We make a lot of sexual innuendo jokes at least Tony does so this is my attempt at one <laughs> this Carolina Panthers coaching staff has been like a prepubescent young man <laughs> and the Carolina Panthers team is like a full 
disfigured, beautiful. Woman. Oh, I love this analogy. And, and you just pre—you just that came woman, quick. Uh, that that woman <laughs> caught that boy looking at her and said, "Boy, you wouldn't know what to do with this if you got a hold of it." And yep. that's my point. We right. had a damn good roster. We had a damn good free agency. I think that we had a good draft class of players that, while I may not have chosen them in that order where they were selected, they were good players from big-time schools. And and this coaching staff, uh, for the second year in a row, we fall off a cliff in the middle of the season. Our coaching no, staff no, no, you're misconstruing it. You're misconstruing it. didn't know how to handle the titties. Yeah, well, no, I like all the analogy, but we're, here's where I disagree, is that our optimism truly ca- came in the fact that we thought that Cam Newton was going to be healthy. Carl Dude said my analogy sucks. Like all of, all of the <laughs> other things when it comes to this team were icing on the cake. That's why we got so excited. Our excitement starts with Cam Newton and his shoulder being good. That was the theory, right? Is that he's hitting these deep balls in camp and this and that. And then all of a sudden, the shift to the 3-4 gives us a little excitement. Drafting Brian Burns gives us a little excitement. Getting Curtis Samuel out there catching deep balls. All those things are meaningless without Cam. So if Cam would have not, we would not have had any of those expectations prior to the season if Cam would have been done. There would have been zero, right? And then on top of that, the problem was is we actually won a couple without Cam. Mm -hmm. And then that makes us think, well, maybe this is really good when it's still been the same thing. The entire time this whole team lives and dies on the arm of Cam Newton and the legs of Cam Newton. Cam Newton. He made Ron Rivera. He's made everybody. Made us relevant. I mean, that was exactly what we were all saying on the show before the season started. You're absolutely right. Was that we were one Cam Newton injury away from our season being trash. And you're right. At the beginning of the season, it looked like we got a little glimmer of hope that maybe we were wrong about that. And it was something we were happy we were wrong about. But no, we were we were right about that. It's, yeah, we were yeah. One Cam Newton injury away from being a garbage team. We were just you know fooled for funny? a moment. Is it- is good quarterbacks take a year to figure out? It took four games for him to figure out, you know, the film with Colin. You know, well, I just think he wasn't ever that good. He just the first game or two, nobody knows what he really what he's going to do. What he, played he played Arizona. He played Arizona. He played Houston when they were they they've been kind of been sucky. Yeah, but and then they put him in point. some good spots. Here's the whole they thing: Kyle Allen played ahead of the chains the whole time. Mm-hmm. Is the problem with well, Kyle Allen yeah. has been is when he's been behind, and when we can't run the ball and make a threat like that, is that you when you make the Carolina Panthers one dimensional, not by taking away Christian McCaffrey because you can't take away Christian McCaffrey, you make the Carolina Panthers one dimensional by getting ahead. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 been the Achilles heel. I think is our defense is. I mean, I, that's where you kind of have to look at it from. Uh, you know, a favorable point for Kyle Allen because the defense has never really given him any favors. You know, they've they've run them. They're the loud. Well, he hasn't given them any favors either. No, well, he hasn't. <laughs> but 
But when you can't stop the run, and that offense is, you know, the opposing oh, it's been terrible. There. You're right. And guess what? Now, now our offense is on the field with a very rested up defense. Obviously, you're going to have trouble any day of the week. But I think that the the point that I think is so funny, and I, you know, I, I said it a second ago, is, you know, you look at Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson isn't going to be nearly the same person that he was next this year right. that, that he will be next year. Because guess what? There's going to be film. There's going to be study about how to be able to actually count. And somebody's going to get hurt. You know, I mean, it just never yeah. works like that forever. If but it works for two seasons, you're lucky. Yeah, it usually takes a full year before you've got that read. And it did not even come close to that. I think it came pretty close there towards the fourth game where you started to see people figure Kyle Allen out. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, now you have this situation where Kyle Allen is absent as far as that. He's he's the reason that we're not winning. Uh, You know, and and a lot of times he's the reason reason that we're losing. but I, you know, I think that's that speaks to what type of a quarterback we have. It's so one-dimensional that you know it's easy for defenses to read it and move on. So uh, I think that that answers your question about what type of a you know player Kyle Allen is, and I, it's an argument we think put to bed a while ago. But Carl D commenting on his own call says Ron playing Cam longer than necessary in the preseason game cost us our season. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if it would have happened then or there, you know, as I wish Cam would have just gone down in that. It's kind of a fluke injury to me, I feel like. Right. And I like Joey Esquivel's comment. Cam Newton's like Noah. He put every player from every position on the field and repopulated the earth. <laughs> All right, next call. Three more. Let's get through this. Hey. God, how is this? Yeah, G-Baby. What's up, fellas? <laughs> Over here, feeling good, living life, per usual. You know, another day, another dollar. Heard that. What should we talk about tonight? Um, I would just like a little bit of credit as far as this projected NFL draft order right now. ESGN just released, you know, a draft order. And right now, fellas, it looks like we're in the top ten. We're sitting at pick ten. Now, when I mentioned no, this over a month ago, that. we're at pick 20. My website has SS12. Oh, we ain't going to get no top 10. Well, right now, we got the 10th pick. Alana's got nine. He's talking to and, me. Uh, right He's now, talking to we me. keep losing shit the highest we could get. I mean, with how it looks, we could end up with a top eight pick. This is great. He's talking to you, Greg. He's uh, speaking right. with your language. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah uh. I just seen a report that someone close to Cam Newton, which I think it's Clayland or whatever, uh, his brother, his brother said that Cam Newton wants to stay in Carolina. Like, he's dying to stay in Carolina. Like, he wants to cement his legacy here in Carolina. I'm not, I don't think it's a rumor. I'm pretty sure it's legit. This is coming from Cam Newton's brother. He's very close to Cam, obviously, it's his brother. He said that Cam Newton wants to stay a Carolina Panther. And he so said he, a lot uh, of nice things about to, Carolina. You know, put a cement in with this with this franchise. This is where he wants to be. So, you know, hopefully we just keep our fingers crossed and just pray that he stays in Carolina, baby. At the end of the day, you already know. And I'm not even trying to talk to about the Carolina Panthers. I don't give a fuck who we play. Um, just keep pounding, He's baby. About to cut keep up. pounding. Right. Here's part two of the call. It's G, baby. Oh, another thing. There is nothing wrong with Luke Keithley, fellas. There is nothing wrong with this man. 
The problem is Luke Keekley is a 4-3 middle linebacker. He's not he's a 3-4 right. middle linebacker. There's a big difference. This, like, I, I can't explain this to you guys. Like There is a huge difference. And when you don't have the personnel up front to let the middle linebacker roam the field the way we've seen Luke do in past years, it's a fucking problem. The three four we should have never switched to a three four defense. We didn't have the personnel to run a three four defense. I don't think we had the personnel to run and a four three though. We're seeing right now. We're Luke is better than four three though. He's not a three four linebacker. He's not. And when we don't have KK, let alone Don Terry Poe, shit's gonna look how it is. I don't expect us to beat Seattle. Chris Harson's gonna run off on our fucking ass. Like, that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be a fucking a nuclear bomb. So <laughs> nuclear. Where you guys are saying, oh, something's wrong with Luke. <laughs> Trust me, there is nothing wrong with Luke Keekly. He's still the general that he is. He's still a 99 on Madden. Like, he's still the best middle linebacker in the game, fellas. So there is nothing wrong with Luke. I'm glad that we got fucking uh, uh, Shaq Thompson signed. That was beautiful. Um, and, and Dante Jackson, I, I, I'm all for what he said. How the fuck are we going to blitz and all out blitz and leave our corners? Man, and you got a, a With a guy who never had a catch in the NFL. You're right. Poor Sometimes you. I gotta play that position. Like you know? Harry's a little bitch. That's why none of the quarterbacks like him in Jacksonville. It is what it is. So if I were to pick, like I, I want Harbaugh. Like, <laughs> Brandon Dugan says we don't have the personnel want, to run uh, any defense. <laughs> from uh, uh, Baltimore, he would be dope. Why not Urban Meyer, man, or Lincoln Le- 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 Riley? Like shit. Yeah, I like that. I don't want like Urban Meyer. And go get. CB fucking I'm tired of Urban Myers. Jerry Judy, baby. Like we're in perfect position Jerry to get going all second world talent. That receiver, fellas, we need to pull the fucking trigger. I'm telling you. Hey, at the end of the day, keep pounding, fellas. Let's go. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> unmute your mic, Cody. Yeah, there's no way we're getting Jared Judy. I would love to have Judy. Boom, with boom, boom, he's boom. Going second Cody draft, loves. No, no question. Cody loves G-Baby. G-Baby, that's my spirit animal. Shout out my man, G-Baby. Gang, gang. That's my homie. That's my motherfucker. Holding it down in Utah. Big love. Keep pounding. Yeah, man, listen. Um, I've been saying this about Luke Kisley. I don't think everything is on him. But at the same time, man, uh, if you... I think that we got to get the quarterback that can get the ball to the receivers, man. I think DJ Moore is good. I think Curtis Samuel is good. I think we're missing that big body red zone receiver, that big type of animal that you can just throw the football somewhere. in there. How areas. come we haven't seen what's his name? Didn't we sign homeboy? Uh, Hogan. The guy. He, no, no. We signed a guy that, and I used to like him. His name. He went play. He was starting Indy. Then he went to Jacksonville. Oh, Moncrief. Yeah, we signed Dante Moncrief. That bitch ain't even. He's on the team, and we ain't even seen nothing. Our coaches don't even know who's on the team at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yo, did y'all know Dante Moncrief is a Carolina fan? This man just catching a paycheck on the side. Like, he's like, I hope yeah. they don't notice me. 
It's like, <laughs> what? Dude, did you even know that guy was here? Fuck no, dude. I had no idea. Oh, gosh. Uh, I wonder, yeah, is but, he still on the team? I heard he has been cut or anything. He's got to be there. I know, but cut Greg Dortch resigned it back in the yeah. cut. Greg oh, Dorch, that dude's sorry. That dude got, that dude's sorry. All yeah, right, about, all right. We have a problem at punt returner. It's ridiculous. Ever. No, it's we have good. never had an answer since Steve Smith and Ted, right. Ted Ginn. And you know what? I feel like I feel I feel I have to apologize to Ted again. I was so mean to him while he was in Carolina, and now he's so good with the Saints. Ah, he's all right. He's not good. He he he's catches not, the football he's now. Bad. The asshole. He's not, he didn't that, catch the football with us. We'll say he's not bad. How about that? Yeah. We'll let people decide how they feel yeah, about the. You're right. All right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you hear? What'd you hear? All right. Last call of the night. I hope. Hi, it's called D again. Cody. Um, I'm just calling back. Cody, oh, I need to correct you on God, more calls. what you were saying about when you were naming the Belichick tree. Um, Mike Vrabel is not the Belichick tree. He just played with Belichick on Good. some of those Good Super Bowl point. teams. He never was an assistant I mean, or counts, any type of coach it? under Belichick. He's actually under the, the um, what is the the guy that uh, what is his name right. the ex Titan yeah, right. head coach the one the he Steve took his Fisher place. the Steve uh, Fisher Mike Malarkey his name right now he was yeah, the Malarkey OC for the you can't Tennessee think of Titans. it because his name uh, is Malarkey with um, 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 Fisher um. Anyway, wherever the Titans coach guy coached at before, he got the um, Titan job. Vrabel was with him, so he brought Vrabel, hired him on the um, Titan staff when the Titans um, promoted him as their head coach. So, yeah, that's just a correction to you, Tony. He is... Mike Vrabel is not under the Bill Belichick tree. He, well, you know what I say? Good uh, star defensive player. You know what I say? I'm stopping him there. I say that's a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> Next call. Next call. Still hey, hey. played for him. What's going on, fellas? This is Matthias out of Chicago. Uh, just Matthias. real quick, man. Um, is this my treasure home? And I do not look forward to a potential tank of a season next year if Cam is not there. So, you know, I'm not going to really get, I don't have any thoughts on the game. Who cares? (laughs) It is what it is. But, um, if, if we are able to keep Cam, I would like for them to go into the draft process Whoever the next, you know, coaching staff is and whatever other aid Herney gets as GM, I would like for them to focus mainly on the offensive line and yeah. skill position, specifically a wide, uh, actual wide wall. receiver within yeah. the first three rounds. Um, I'm pretty much at the point where it's just like, look, you can't feel every spot on the team with draft picks in a year. So you might as well just invest in keeping Cam up and with as many weapons as possible. We definitely need depth 
at the line and definitely uh, at the wide receiver position and maybe even tight end because Greg hopefully just gives it a rest and just retire. Like it's been a great run, but you're done. Um, and Ian Thomas steps up as tight end one. And um, yeah, like you know, either offensive line in the first, you know, I, I, I personally would like for them to get two uh, interior guys, maybe uh, someone who can play the center and also both uh, guard spots. I don't think too highly of Trey Turner anymore. I don't think he's really all that good. He's probably second best, you know, behind Moten. But, you know, Moten's play has to be. I kind of think you're right with this. Well, so, you know, honestly, I think almost everybody needs to have some competition, some good competition, um, right, you know, behind um, them. So, you know, like I said, protection for Cam. And then, you know, another uh, receiver, probably a big body type guy, unless they want to get someone maybe in free agency. But I wouldn't mind a, a, a big body type target, you know, to provide that other skill set within the offense. That's what I was just saying. They can use it. So, um, yeah. Now, if Cam is gone, then I say best player available where we're at. So that that's round by Arthur, get him. All right. Uh, last call of the night. Here we come. Damn. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> this is Matthias. I'll finish up my thoughts. Even though it's taking that long. But yeah. Um, no Cam, then, like I said, we just go, start going for the best players available. And there are some impact guys on the defensive side coming up. Um, in this draft, like I said, Derek Brown out of Auburn would be great to bring that type of impact to our defensive line. And then Grant um, Delpit from LSU, yes, Randy Safety, we could use that. So, you know, yeah, pretty much, you know, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, hey, I love what you guys are doing. You know, keep pounding, man. Peace. Thank keep you so much for the man. call, man. We, we thank you. We thank you for the call. I did want to. Um, all right. So way, your, th- I, your thoughts, sure that's I'm pretty sure that's my my, my Twitter homie Matthias Bork, I believe on uh, on Twitter. Me and him go back and forth all the time. If that is you, salute to you, man. Shout out to you for uh, for calling into the show. Uh, I mean, we've kind of talked about the draft a little bit at this. point. Just build that wall. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, is that, that, that that's wall. the thing? And listen, I'll give you guys some inside information. You know, I'm looking at my. Uh, at the the draft tech spreadsheet that we got, uh, and there, I mean, there's um, you know one, two, three offensive tackles in the top ten picks of the draft this year. So I mean, if if we're and in, in that kind of range, man, I mean, even though we drafted Greg Little, even though we have Taylor Moten, I'm just of the mindset that you cannot ever have enough talent on the offensive line. We've been talking about it for over a year. Build a damn wall around Cam Newton so he has time to throw and distribute the football. And then you're going to see another monster year from Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I know people hate it because it's not the sexy pick. People want a, a receiver, uh, which I do too. I still think we could use another receiver or a badass defensive lineman. Um, I'm telling you, you may not want him. But those offensive linemen, those are the meat and potatoes of your football team. Mm-hmm. And you damn sure better yeah, have them if yeah. you want to win November no, I mean, and December you, football. 
you guys cited earlier the Colts turnaround, and what did the Colts turnaround start with? Two drafting Wait, two starter, two starters on the offensive line. They yeah, drafted just uh, like the, yeah, uh, they converted the guard to right tackle from Auburn, and it's been awesome for them. And what about when Dallas, you know, turned their things around? Exactly. When it started, yeah, Zach exactly. Dallas would never yeah. turn her thing around. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, they did. I mean, they at least they might be living a little bit on their. They might be living a little on their reputation now of of a great line. Well, and I also um, think Jason Garrett is another Ron Rivera, and that he's had talent but just didn't couldn't get the best out of it. Yeah, man, they've had good enough players. All to, right, so the thing that stuck out. The thing that stuck out with me this call, and I want to end the show kind of on this note, we still got to do our ice up picks, is that we've been, it's a three-hour show tonight. Uh, All calls. It's been all calls tonight. This has not been us going off. And you know what we haven't talked about? What we have talked about, I would say less. Our shortest call tonight was some, was 18, uh, like 58 seconds or something or not even 50 seconds i would say we that call was longer than we talked about seattle this entire show three right. hours wait a minute wait 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 there's a game sunday yeah a yeah Dude, exactly whoa and we're Holy coming to your shit. house and like crashing the party yeah and this and we didn't even think about it one time tonight does this mean i have to wear pants if yeah, y'all come over, absolutely not. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the way she can. No, I got to clean your jock strap, so uh, don't hey, worry. Hey, 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 hey. I'll, I'll, I'll have it hung up on the doorknob as soon as you get yeah. here. All right, don't bother him. All right, uh, guys, let's get the hell out of here. It's crazy. And, you know, uh, do you, the weird thing to think about for the next show is that, you know what's better than being eight and eight? is being terrible for our show we're better if we're great or terrible <laughs> eight and eight nobody gives a shit misery at least everybody's company. mad now yeah everybody's misery, mad now yeah misery loves company man if you're gonna be a miserable panther fan you might as well do it with us all right let's ice some fools up i'm gonna start first just in case and i got my pick ready to go and it's one that i've iced up many times before Look, I could go from anything. I mean, there's politics out there. There's life out there for me. There's all types of things that I go. But it always comes back to Charlie Casserole. Oh, you guys um, you guys call him Charlie Casserole. I call him Charlie Casserole. And his name to me is really a casserole that nobody fucking wants. It is an old, tired-ass 1980s casserole dish of canned corn and string beans and cream of mushroom soup mixed together and this guy right here tweets this out on December 8th you fucking asshole I would be very surprised if the Panthers get a big deal for Cam Newton okay so would I because he's been injured as shit the whole time but here's where the problem comes in best days are behind him does not fit a lot of offenses. The reason he may not get or would not get a big deal from the Panthers is because of injuries. That's it. And I just would like to remind you fucking turd of a casserole 
that you also said you would take Blaine Gabbert 99 out of 100 times over Cam Newton. And 99 mm-hmm. out of 100 times, actually, 100 out of 100 times, you would be a shithead. And I'm sorry. You just muted yourself, I mean, You went silent. Yeah, you went silent. You, you got to ice your own self up. You muted yourself in the middle of your... We lost him. He's, he's, he's frozen. Give him the 10 count. 10. Nine. We can't hear you. Can't hear you. Yeah, can't hear anything you're saying. I mean, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no volume, man. All right, listen, I'm gonna uh, let's move on to yeah. Okay, oh, oh. one second. Okay, we're waiting. Remix. All right, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. All right, I'm back. Dude, fucking CK is dropping hot bombs over here, dude. Nobody can hear it. Nobody can hear it. I'm icing up you for interrupting CK's fucking beatboxing, dude. Come on, give hit me with a little five seconds of it. Oh, ha, ha, yeah. God. Pretty good. I'm into it. <laughs> Alright. So fuck you, Charlie Casserole. Ice up. Alright. <laughs> Who's got something else? You two want to go first? Uh you go ahead, Greg, if you want to go. Yeah, sure, I'll go. Um I am going to ice up Bill Belichick. I'm sure y'all probably heard all the news about <laughs> Spygate two that's going on this week or yeah. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous that we have somebody in this league that can be caught cheating in so many different ways, so many different times, and he still has a job. And not only does he still have a job, but everybody forgets about it and acts like he's the best coach ever. Well, of course he is. He's been cheating the entire time he's been here. We caught him six times. You don't think that he's happened more than that? We just haven't caught him. <coughs> I mean, the, the 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 Patriots sent. They have their own video crew that they have their own like YouTube show on their on, show on their uh, website, and for some reason they send this uh, video crew to opposing teams that they're playing to shoot the show there ahead of time. Yeah, ahead of time. Yeah, which makes no sense. And then when it comes down that they end up filming this sidelines for eight minutes, the coaches and everybody say, "I have no knowledge of this." Well, if you want to stay out of that kind of trouble, don't send a damn video crew to the opposing teams stadium while they're doing their walk they call call them the advanced scouting team (laughs) (laughs) like and i I, I don't get how you get away with this it's it's apparently for like you said their youtube show like they said uh they weren't aware of the rules yeah not aware and then then what did they say they had one who was a rogue whenever they got caught filming over in in, uh, england they had the guy they said he was a rogue uh, reporter Took the yeah, sword for everybody. It's like, come, or not reporter, video, uh, filmography or whatever it was. It's like, come on, man. Seriously. So to you, Bill Belichick, I say ice up because you wouldn't have all those rings and all this clout if you hadn't cheated 
and been in the easiest division of football for the last 25 years. If you ain't so cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, if you ain't yeah, cheating, yeah. you ain't trying. Yeah. Uh, CK, what you got for us? Um, I want to ice up Mother Nature for pushing back my closing date till Friday. Oh, okay. This house thing's really been a headache. It's almost there, man. I got till next Friday, but it might it might be a positive though, and and so my ice up might be irrelevant because I was gonna close Thursday here in two days, which means I would be moving Friday and Saturday, and then going to the Seattle game, which would have not been conducive for right. a very happy wife. Oh no, she would have um, not let you go. N- no, it yeah. would have been it would have been a, a terrible, terrible, terrible uh, week following that. No, you and couldn't then, go to that. Yeah, but now we've got to push back to next Friday, and uh, it allows me the Seattle game without having the uh, the guilt that my wife would absolutely pour on uh, every second and every opportunity. And deservedly, and deservedly yeah, at that point, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not like it's unnecessary. It would be a, you know. The, the, we bought the tickets before we started the <laughs> Baby, you knew this was going to happen. You knew this was going to happen. I love it. All right. So, yeah, ice up. Ice up, mother. All right, up, Cody, man. what you got? Yeah, I am icing up Nick Cannon. I don't know if any of you have heard oh, about this. I it. saw the video today. Dude, it's so I bad, did. dude. So, Eminem was on a song with Fat Joe and someone else, and he uh, talked about Nick Cannon. He's gone back and forth before. Apparently, they've both been with, had sex with Mariah Carey or whatever. It's this whole big thing. But then today, Nick Cannon decides that he wants to shoot his shot back at Eminem and decides to release two music videos, two diss tracks aimed at Eminem. And both of them absolutely tank, dude. On YouTube, the dislike to like ratio is enormous. Uh, uh, R.I.P. Nick Cannon was trending on Twitter. I mean, Eminem didn't even have to respond to the man, and he's <laughs> already lost. He did put out a tweet. Did you see? He said, I didn't have a because the Nick Cannon line was like, and you're, you paid your chauffeur off and caught you sucking cock. And he said, yeah, I ain't never I had no motherfucking chauffeur. Yeah, and by like, the you way, know, Eminem would annihilate this dude. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. Is that so like, the, it was almost cute, I felt like. The responses that Eminem put out were more liked than both of the videos that he dropped combined. And on top <laughs> of that, he had five other dudes in the video rapping and dissing Eminem. Like, dude, do you not know how a rap battle works? Uh, I think maybe you need to... Uh, like, some, he's not a rapper, research. even, dude. He's like a singer, almost. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah. all right, on top of that, I did want to ask you this, Cody, if you watched it. Suge Knight. Suge Knight makes every motherfucker nervous. I tell you that. Because he makes <laughs> yeah, yeah. every one of us nervous in the room. If you wish Suge Knight, you're like, this motherfucker, you don't know what he's going to do. Didn't you feel like it was a little overtly threatening? Well, anytime should not says anything. I know, right. but it was like this. We are gonna fucking kill. I mean, it was. I mean, it was one way. It was one note away from communicating threats. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. I felt like you could have legal action against what Suge Knight was saying. No doubt, but dude, Eminem is so famous. Eminem has so much money. He could pay for bodyguards that would fuck Suge Knight up before they he even knew what was happening, dude. Uh, but yeah, dude. Of course, dude. Sure, not his whole thing is real that, story I mean, here. Mariah Carey is yeah. a hoe. 
Oh yeah, Mariah Carey gets around, man. But, yeah, more power <laughs> to her, man. Hey, do, do, do I, Tampa, I get down with it. But Nick Cannon is a loser, and he failed super hard today for the entire world to see. Ice up, sorry. All right, it's the C3 Panthers podcast live Tuesday night for too many hours. We got the post game show. We got the Seattle coming up. CK, tell them how they can follow you. You got to get, you're maybe at 110 right now. I'm, I'm definitely over 110. And yes. If you follow me by now, you're missing out. There's a problem. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I think we just problem. need to, I think we need to just promote a tweet and just hope that it works. All right, um, <laughs> at code uh, at code Allen. Yes, that's it. All right, he's fine. CK, uh, not CK, Cody. Where where are you at? Uh, I am at Cody Lax, C O D Y L A C, on Twitter. I'll BS with you about anything you want, man. From football to politics to uh, who's looking good today. I, I don't care. There's also a brand new mock draft on drafttech.com with comments for the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. In the coming weeks, my uh, write-up will be more player-specific instead of more of a team rundown. So if you're a draft nerd like me, man, tune in. I'll uh, I'll feed you, my babies. Uh, Bat Daddy, where can they get after you? No, just like that, man. You can find me at the Bat Daddy 52 on Twitter. You can also talk to me through my other show, the Super Civil Servants Podcast. You can find it at SCS Podcast One on Twitter. Uh, we talk about movies, TV shows, entertainment. Hit me up. All right, I'm Tony Dunn at Cat Underscore Chronicles. And look, we got still 30 people still hanging with us three hours later. That's crazy. Y'all are the best. They're probably sleeping. They're probably sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Y'all are the best. Nah, they sitting there talking in the chat room the whole time. All right, you guys are the best. Stackhouse mentality. Brandon Dugan, Carl Davis, all the way to the end. Joey Esquivel, you guys are great. We'll see you next two. We'll see you Sunday and Tuesday. And don't worry, we got a lot of this therapy to go. Keep pounding, guys. <laughs>